Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and joining us for this episode is our uh, friend of the show and uh, head of global news at GameSpot, Tamar Hussein. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I got a promotion, so I'm a managing editor now. Oh, sorry. I was like, I knew I'm getting something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> no, it's it's it still surprises me sometimes because I'm like, why did they give me this job? It's his understand. first day at GameSpot. <laughs> well, congrats on the promotion and thank you for joining us. This is a lot of fun already. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I've said it a few times, but um, yeah, I, I love listening. So I'm kind of uh, weirded, not weirded out, but like honored to be on one an episode <laughs> and i hope that i don't i hope that i don't uh ruin the low-key video game podcast vibes with uh my own vibes but you know fingers crossed not at all are you kidding we're honored to have you yeah on it, the low-key thing is a little bit more of a facade i think it's low-key in the things we choose to talk about not the actual <laughs> vibe of the show <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of screaming and singing for... yeah i think the actual low-key vibe went away during the corvanite era where <laughs> <laughs> People go, you guys go way too excited about Corbinite. And I was like, well, that's not low-key anymore. Yeah, yeah. there are certain there are certain games that act like some kind of rising agent in our enthusiasm, and Pokemon is definitely like the secret <laughs> baking ingredient yeah, for some yeah. reason. There are some, yeah, some games are just lightning rods for bits, you know? Yeah. Uh, la- last night we were streaming Bloodborne, and uh, I don't know, Steven did this whole bit about uh, our character that we created being like a super famous rock star who just showed up in Yarnum, which is... <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, point being, we streamed Bloodborne last night. We we're talking about Batman, the Arkham trilogy today. It feels like a very Tam episode. Um, so mm. we're really happy to have you on today. It's really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we're talking about the Arkham trilogy. Um, this is Rocksteady's Arkham trilogy. I don't. I think they're like loath to even acknowledge the fact that Origins is a video game that exists. Um, but we won't be talking about Arkham Origins a whole lot today. I think, Tam, you said that you have played it, correct? Yeah, so the interesting thing about Origins is, one, it's remembered as being bad, and it was kind of uh, technically a bit all over the place when it first came out. Yeah. But they updated it to the point where it's pretty good on PC now. Unfortunately, as you know, Brendan, like it's hard to find elsewhere yes. to play it. So the, the game is actually pretty good. Like I think it's one of the most interesting experiences in the series like a lot of it is um it leans heavier into the kind of uh time and place and having a distinct aesthetic around it in the same way that you know the the same distinction between when you read a standard batman comic in the current run Mm. and then you go back to read something like the long halloween where it has a a specific kind of mood aesthetic and theme running underneath it and it's all defined by that and long halloween is probably what I would liken Origins the most to because it takes place around Christmas and it has a lot of the similar vibes to it. And that's why I think it's really, really interesting. And it's also like year one-ish in that um, it's early career Batman. So he's very much, one, meeting villains for the first time and two, getting to grips with what he's doing in, in Gotham and in the city. Um, and also, like, it's weird because although a lot of fans and Rocksteady themselves, it, without saying as much, disavow that game, it's also technically got the start of the setup for their next game, which is Suicide Squad. Right. So I don't know if we want to go into spoilers for Origins. Um, 
I think it's fine. I th- from what I understand of Origins, it's uh, it takes place before Arkham Asylum, uh, hmm. which is the first in the trilogy. But I guess Origins was the was the third game to come out. It was like the bridge between the Phantom Menace of the Batman <laughs> games, uh, yeah. as they say. Yeah, uh, so- it, between City and Night, because Rocksteady needed a lot of time to develop Night specifically. So I think hmm. WB Games said, okay, well, we're going to give this other team the ability to make a game as like a bridge. Yeah. Anyway. Let's start with the Rocksteady trilogy, the game that started it all, Arkham Asylum, which uh, came out, what, 2009? Um, mm-hmm. It was released for, uh, I guess now, two generations, I guess we could call it two generations ago, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, um, and, uh, and PC, obviously, as well. But um, is, is I think, kind of a, was, was a big deal when it came out, because I think a lot of people were expecting just another like superhero cash grab game um mm. not to not to name names for maybe obvious reasons um but i think a lot of people were, <laughs> were expecting to hear walt's eyes opening <laughs> be careful what you say i think a lot of people actually you know i should just do this in advance because i'm going to talk about it a lot i'm an employee of marvel entertainment anything i say or do does not reflect the views of my employer thank you so much uh talk to you later um <laughs> batman arkham asylum was a very surprisingly good video game i think for a lot of people and there there are a lot of uh there are a lot of reasons why that's the case i mean number one rock said he just knocked it out of the park like mechanically and 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 uh uh, aesthetically, I think bringing back the Batman the Animated Series cast to do the voices was just like maybe the most brilliant move of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Having Kevin Conroy as, as Batman and Bruce Wayne, having Mark Hamill as the Joker, just like great. Um, and honestly, around that time, you couldn't have picked a better villain, like overall villain for the game than Joker. I think like now in 2020, it's kind of weird to say like the Joker was kind of like a novel, exciting thing because we were hot on the heels of Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight coming out. Um, mm. And if you look at the at where DC was at at that point in time, I imagine that The Dark Knight and also this game were spinning up production probably around the same time, if I had to guess. Um, mm. if, if you're saying that games take about you know five to six years and movies take around like two to three generally, um, that would mean that both of these entered production around the same time. So I think probably if I was to guess, DC had a lot of like top-down thoughts on how this game's uh, vibes should be portrayed based on what they knew i imagine was going to be a success with the dark knight but also batman begins had already been out as well so you kind of had a pretty good idea of people wanting a darker take on batman which was a great move i mean critically and commercially you know uh, just an incredible choice but yeah so i i played this game right when it came out uh i thought it was amazing but i want to throw to you tam first uh who i know is mm. also a big batman fan what did you think about this game when it first dropped i think like one of the interesting things about it, like context for around the time is really like not important but like really clear in my mind and you know you mentioned that superhero games had a reputation for being bad and i remember being on forums and speaking to other friends who are super into games and the expectation around then was this was going to be bad and yes what's really interesting was there was another superhero game coming out at the same time that people were more convinced would be better and it's not Marvel or DC. It's called, if you, I don't know if you remember it, it was Radical Entertainment's Prototype. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The yeah. reason people were super into that was because Radical Entertainment previous to that had worked on Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which Hulk Ultimate Destruction is a lot of fun, yes. like a really cool, fun game. But it was like PS2 era. And Prototype was the first game from that studio, from the Hulk Ultimate Destruction team, on new hardware with more powerful physics and that kind of stuff. So people were 
were like, this game's gonna be ridiculously good. Like, the fun of Hulk Ultimate Destruction in like a brutal kind of like next-gen video game, that was the, a lot of my gamer friends were like prototypes for one. <laughs> and even I remember, like, if I had to place a bet back then, I probably would have bet on prototype because at the same time rocksteady was a super unknown studio mm -hmm. like they had created like urban riot chaos whatever it may be back in the day but that was pretty much the only thing that they were known for um and it was coming from not wb it was coming from published by square enix at the time or idos montreal idos sorry um in in the uk so it was like set up almost to like if you had them on paper like you it looked like this game was about to be an absolute like crap fest yeah but then it came <laughs> out and it was mind-blowingly good like i was i was just beside myself with how good it was and i could not believe it i felt like i was living in a dream like well, how is this game this good and i wasn't really keeping up to it uh, up on it like the intricacies of its development at the time so like when you go into it for the first time and hear kevin conroy and mark hamill and just it felt like I'd, i i i was like got punched because like the, with nostalgia, because it immediately reminded me, obviously, of the animated series, which yeah. I was a huge fan of. And I just, I had no clue it was going this way. And I just remember from that moment on just being like completely blown away by every moment of it, every second of it. And that was the moment where, you know, that, that whole experience was life-changing, like the first good Batman game. And then having to evangelize that game to other people <laughs> who were convinced that it was going to be bad. And right. like... And, but then do, being able to do that and then watch them go through the same thing that you have it was so special that time is like I was working retail at the time and I just it was laser etched into my mind because I used to be on the shop floor working I worked in the UK equivalent of GameStop which is game yeah. and like I would actively hunt down customers who look like they might be into the Batman <laughs> game and like pitch them on it and be like you gotta play this Batman game Yeah, I was that guy and this is an interesting story um uh there's a guy, uh, he's a British celebrity comedian named Jonathan Ross. He's a very well-known person in the UK. He's like, he's not as famous as your Stephen Colbert, as G Jimmy Fallon's, but he's basically like that. And he came up being a, a host on this movie review um, TV show that came out. But he's also a huge Marvel fan. He specifically loves Ditko's stuff and he loves Doctor Strange and that kind of stuff. But he's a general fan, basically a celebrity. And he walked into the store I was working <laughs> and I knew him. He, he also, his his family like went, lived in the same area I lived. Yeah. And his he went to the school that I eventually would go to so he's like a local legend but also within the uk you can say the name jonathan ross and everyone will know yeah and he was buying some games and he came up to the counter and like i was like i know who you are because you're a celebrity and i also know what you like so <laughs> I, I i realized yeah. i might be overstepping i know you you know because I, I was worried that this celebrity dude's probably thinking oh my god this random nerd's trying to sell me something again. yeah i was like honestly i know you and i know you like comic books this batman game just came out yeah trust me you need to play this game you specifically need to play this game <laughs> because it is incredible and he was with his kid and he was like he wasn't really buying it and i was like i know you love Marvel, I know you have Ditko, I know you love Doctor Strange, I know you love comics. I'm a huge comic nerd as well. You need to play this game. And he was like, okay. And then like weeks later, uh, I followed him on Twitter and like weeks later he tweeted, been playing the new Batman game and it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. at me, you coward. 
<laughs> but like that i remember that game just taking the world by storm at least in my bubble and i loved it yeah that's so cool yeah yeah i remember um i mean i think like as we've been discussing this i've been thinking about like the ga- the superhero games that came out before and the ones that were successful you know in their own realm and like the whole game for ps2 the spider-man 2 game for ps2 and i think the reason those two games are like the pre-arkham asylum successes for a superhero game is that they were built around what that fantasy would be so like you know i mean it sounds obvious but the whole game is like a sandbox where you're just throwing cars like you don't want to sneak around as the hulk you know mm-hmm. when the spider-man game same thing like that game was very okay but the swinging was amazing and i think arkham asylum was just so clearly made by people who loved batman and were like what would you do like actually do as batman we're not just gonna like do the thing where you fight a bunch of clowns in a left to right super nintendo game which <laughs> you know that was my only batman game before was uh batman returns for the snes yeah great game but you know very much the streets of rage with clowns but yeah i just think like you could tell that it wasn't like they weren't told okay you have to make a batman game like it seemed like they really wanted to you know i don't know if that was exactly the case but it just feels like such a labor of love and it feels like you know anytime you meet a character you unlock a a piece of the glossary with like art of that character and a biography and interview tapes like it's so Mm. it's just like every part of asylum and even the later games but i think asylum especially is like oozing with just appreciation for the series yeah asylum very much feels in a lot of instances like i can't believe we get to make a batman game you know and they really try and fit everything they possibly can in it which we'll get to a little bit with the story and and just like how wild the story is for that specific reason but i totally i totally agree with you yeah i I mean just thinking about the other games that the other batman games specifically that had come before like no other batman game really doubled down on him being a detective in the way that this game does i think you know you have a button for detective mode which i think says everything that you need to say about how much rock city like understands the ip because when you ask any fan of batman what they think of a certain story if there's one that they don't like they'll usually say something along the lines of like well you know they forgot that he was a detective they think he's just a guy with fists you know Mm. like (laughs) this game is very much is very much interested in the idea of Batman having like a strange like techno goggle thing in his cowl mm-hmm. that allows him to see through walls which like rules and the really interesting thing about Origins is it doubles down on that like it it along with As- Asylum mm. does it in a way that it fundamentally it's the detective mode that kind of makes you feel that way right yeah whereas Asylum not Asylum uh, Origins takes the open world format of City and adds the detective stuff from Asylum in a more meaningful way. So it has like an AR system where you're reconstructing crime scenes and moving around the environment and doing like, here's the bullets, like um, kind of impact point, tracing back to trajectory, moving around the city, like reverse engineering crime scenes. And it's way more detective focused, which is why I feel like it's it's one of those games where in the franchise where if you haven't played it, you really should because it's be the bat on a from a different perspective and it's so good in doing that yeah that's awesome this is killing me because i i know i i know that i have a much like fonder memory of arkham knight than most people do at least based on my own experience playing it when it came out and i feel like the same would be true of origins and and not being able to play it is killing me because i feel like i also Mm. would like it a lot um and that really just sold me on it that by itself (laughs) yeah i just think it's funny how like the detective mode the first time you experience it the first time playing asylum is so exciting but then when you experience it in city and night and like you're actually doing forensics like in asylum just like finding vents basically yeah. <laughs> you know it's like this door is locked with my detective skills i can find a vent you know it's like okay, <laughs> didn't, didn't need to do that batman um but yeah it's just i think asylum like i 
so it's worth uh, pointing out, like I played all three of these games again for this episode uh, in on PS4 in the Return to Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth also noting that I never owned a copy of Asylum. I thought I did. I had like a false memory of like having this game and loving it. What yeah. I had was the demo that I just played over and over <laughs> and over again because it was the first two hours of the game, basically. Mm, yeah. Like it was right up until you fight the first boss, the like the inmate with the Titan formula. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's actually like a great demo and I'm not surprised I didn't buy it because like I do think that the beginning of this game, playing it again, is the best part. Like the the walking like into the asylum, you know, with, with like Gordon and Joker and like you can tell something's wrong and like you're kind of like slowly, it's almost like going into like Dante's Inferno, like you're slowly going into this like yeah. point of no escape. And then what follows like learning the mechanics and taking out that first room from the vantage points like they really figured out like what the selling points of this trilogy would be and like while they definitely like shined it to uh i guess perfection but like you know it became more exciting and more nuanced in the later entries like the bulk of it was incepted here which is really amazing to see yeah and i think like the game is is pretty like it's like a 12 hour game i think so it never overstays its welcome we joke about how like roided out joker is like not very interesting (laughs) although Mm -hmm. uh when we talk about city it'll be i think it's i appreciate that the game took the silliest part of asylum and made that the inciting event of city yes like the fact that that joker that the titan formula is slowly killing the joker and then that kicks off the whole plot of city which also then ripples out into night as well i mean they really like yeah they really take this thing that a lot of people dunked on right when it came out and just say like no 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 no, take this seriously because this is actually going to impact a lot of things yeah the only comparison i could think of is like the rocky series how like no matter how <laughs> bad a rocky movie might be it's all canon like yep. <laughs> sly yeah. is not letting any of that go <laughs> the robot in four it's coming back yeah. don't worry um <laughs> But I think it, I think it's worth doing, especially with like a comic book writer mindset of like, okay, so much shit has happened and not all of it's good, but how do we make it interesting? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think Asylum is also like to to its defense, like I don't think it ever like even though like the Titan formula isn't super compelling and it's kind of just a red herring to raise the stakes. Like you're there to experience this kind of like almost Metroidvania game with this platter of villains, and it's just so exciting to see new characters as a, as a Batman fan or even as someone who's like learning what Batman is and like why people like Batman yeah but this is actually a good like uh starting point weirdly I totally agree because it is so self-contained like you don't have to know like what's going on outside or that like you know the Green Lantern universe is somewhere in the distance <laughs> <laughs> I mean even um, down to the fact that he has a bat cave under Arkham Asylum that he built just in case something yeah, like this happens like that, yeah. that one character moment is really all you need to know about Bruce Wayne's psyche <laughs> I think yeah mm. totally yeah I think I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head why i think this franchise is so good and i don't just think it's good i think it's pretty much critical to the larger bat universe and the fiction and media available like if you if someone was asking me like how do i get into batman i know most people would be like you gotta read year one you gotta read you know this trade that trade you gotta watch the animated series i would put up like if they if they're gaming literate like i would say play the arkham series because i feel like what the rocksteady has done best is take every piece of Batman media that existed before it and 
kind of take the best parts of it and then rejigger it and put it into their f- game because you're hitting all the same notes yeah but except you don't have to read hundreds of comics to know <laughs> that jason todd had a rough time because it will very <laughs> very naturally come up in that game yeah. you know and there's elements of so many different elements of the broader fiction that are just distilled into three games that are many hours and but you can focus in on it the thing that i find is hardest with comics right now is like regardless of the publisher everyone is so caught up in event based comic books and it's just exhausting and it's like you can't find a natural entry point for someone i want to tell someone to read miss marvel but like when they google miss marvel there's one billion things happening with that character and it's just so hard it's the same with batman there's so many batman is currently hanging out with the ninja turtles and you're like (laughs) yeah and then you click that and it's like suggested batman and the power rangers and you're like what the what's going on i think there are currently three there are currently three batman series running simultaneously right now if i'm not mistaken yeah exactly and like those are just the core batman series then you get into like snyder stuff with like metal and old gods and you're like what's going on and then the three jokers event is also happening yeah exactly and it's just it's just uh, as someone who loves comics i think that's one of the most destructive parts of the industry event-based comics it sells but i think it's just the user experience is awful but with these games, you get a complete Batman universe that yeah. both is unique and distinct of its own, but also is completely in lockstep with the everything that has come before. Like, you can take everything you learn in this franchise and have a conversation with someone who's read Batman from day one and continues to read it because there's so many similarities and there's so many, like, inspirations but reused in a good way. I think, like, the Batman Arkham series is perhaps at the top of you know the to-do list on getting into batman yeah i totally agree yeah it goes all the way back to like when i first started reading comics in general i started by reading batman because i could just go to like the local bookstore and pick up an entire graphic novel and that was the whole story and that's all i needed to know and i didn't need to read hmm. hundreds of back issues to understand what happened i just needed to read that one thing and arkham <laughs> asylum is very much that thing what's up steve yeah. you don't open the book and see archie and sonic together and you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Did I get the wrong volume? Bruce Wayne doesn't show up until halfway through this. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Where Having said I? that, I will I will also be the person who's like, oh yeah, you should also read Grant Morrison's run on Batman because it's fantastic. And that is like the most uncollectible run of comics <laughs> yeah. possible because it's spread over what, like 30 years? And it is like yeah. co- trades here, singles there, like a panel over here that is like critical. <laughs> and you're like... How do you, how does anyone read this? But I think like also that is is essential because like he's he's very much changed the fabric of that universe and, yeah. and like I love that run, but it's just like so hard to recommend. Yeah, but, yeah. That's that's how I am with uh, Batman vs Predator, which I always tell people to read, which is like <laughs> very seriously like one of the best Batman stories. At, it, it's almost like Arkham Asylum. Batman vs Predator shouldn't have been good, and everything that you everything that pops into your head about why it would be bad just doesn't happen somehow in Batman vs Predator. It is. <laughs> like an actually great story also very hard to find anyway uh arkham asylum what's what's wonderful about the story i think just to get back to what you're talking about earlier steven is that it's such a simple story really like at the core of it is it opens up with batman bringing the joker to arkham asylum he thinks to himself hmm it was really easy to get the joker i wonder if something's up and it turns out something's up because he immediately breaks free he's like i've been planning this for months and it turns out the whole thing is that he learned 
that one of the doctors in Arkham Asylum has Bane locked up, has been testing on Bane, removing the blood, essentially, from his veins, uh, you know, the tainted with venom blood, uh, has relabeled it something called Titan and is using that to, like, test on other patients, essentially. Um, and Joker's like, I want some of that Titan. I want some of that in me. I want to, like, spread that around Gotham. And that's, like, the story. The thing about you running into all these extra villains, and this is why I think this is such a brilliant place to set the game and also to tell the story in general is that in the process towards just getting to Joker, which like that is the whole story, really. Everything I just said is the story. You just happen upon everyone else because as soon as Joker presses the button that releases everyone from their cells, that just means that Killer Croc is back in the sewers. It means the Scarecrow can like run around and do whatever he wants with his weird serum. Like it, <laughs> Ooh, <yeah. laughs> um, it just allows everyone to kind of hang out, uh, which means that you're inevitably going to run into them in your quest to put them all back. I mean, I think I think one of the most tragic parts of this whole game is that the first way they teach you how to stealth kill, not kill, sorry, he's Batman, stealth attack someone, um, is Victor Zaz, who is like one of my favorite villains in all of Batman. Um, and mm-hmm. he is like literally the tutorial for how to like punch someone in the head from behind. I absolutely love that. Yeah. I, I love that. And I am going to, I'm going to spoil a bit of Origins here, but they do that. WB Montreal does that and uh, it does it with the electrocutioner um, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't do it to teach you anything it just does it as like a wink to fans because the electrocutioner is an absolute chump Z level villain yeah and like you Condiment meet him King so like level yeah, yeah he's 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 like disposable to the point where Batman doesn't even bother most times they'll he'll like hear like we have the electrocutioner he's like mute not not gonna bother with that someone yeah. will I like someone will trip him up on the way like yeah. or something like that but like the whole thing is like you go into this arena in 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 origins and the electrocutioner is like unleashed and he comes to walking down the stairs like absolutely giving it the big and like i'm gonna destroy you because there's a bounty <laughs> out on batman's head he's like i'm gonna rip you from sh- limb to limb and he's like punching his gloves and electric getting his electrocution built built up and like it's this massive song and dance of the electrocutioner about to face the batman and the battle starts and the moment you hit punch it knocks him clean out like straight out <laughs> the battle literally lasts maybe two seconds That's and amazing. it's just an instant kill on him and like batman just like kicks him aside and it's done yeah. and it's such a good moment it's hilarious that rules i love it that I think if you have the context of who Victor Zaz is before you play this game, you think that that's going to be a bigger thing. You think that when Zaz shows up, it's going to be like a really terrifying moment. And it, it, it very much is just that you just kick him <laughs> in the back of the head and he's gone. But I, I think like at, at its core, that's one of the things that is so wonderful about this game is that you just get these like quick hits, like tapas of all the villains in a way. Um, mm. It's it's incredible. <laughs> it does have that like, yeah, like just a sampler platter of stuff. Was there was there like a segment of this game? game or, or a moment with one of the villains that kind of stood out to either of you. Um, I think for me, like, the Scarecrow parts are great. I think, like, mechanically, they can sometimes be a little bit annoying because, like, it's that whole, like, he's just kind of going in a circle. Yeah. Um, I find them most effective when they begin and I almost wish, like, rather than just kind of popping up for a bit, like, he was a bigger section of the game. Mm. But that would have dramatically, that would have, like, changed the game from being a sampler pattern to being, like, I ordered the Scarecrow, but I had Killer Croc to, as an appetizer. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think too, like, like I said earlier, just the first like third of this game, I think is, I think is the best part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I agree. Like I, I really like the scarecrow sections, even though, like you said, mechanically, it's very simple. It was just the moment where I, not in the moment, but like it was an instance where I was like, oh, Rocksteady is really willing to commit to the, yeah. to the kind yeah. of, the, the treating each character with respect. Because like you, like a lot of the movies and TV show and a lot of comics as well, they clearly have a favorite in the story. And, you know, the main villain is always getting all the love and attention. And it's usually Joker. (laughs) And like, they'll be like, oh, that character, like Joker will be setting up some sort of amazing scheme. And then his, you know, his mate Victor Zaz will bring him a McDonald's hamburger. And you're like, oh, that's (laughs) that that's that's him and like but in this you're like oh they're willing to give as much thought and attention and do their best like a good faith attempt at realizing even bit part characters in the story like Zaz who we like uh not Zaz a uh, scarecrow um but like he becomes bigger later on in the story the broader story but I was really happy with that the fear toxin stuff and like transporting you into a different world and really messing with you really cool yeah and they like they use that stuff so well in that game and then they kind of reuse that idea later on with Mad Hatter and more more like of uh, the Scarecrow stuff as well so I really really love that idea and also I think um, I didn't actually replay these games for in preparation because there's a lot of them and I I was very busy over the last couple of weeks but I'm right thinking the killer killer croc stuff was also in this game right yes Um, yeah so like i i know a lot of people hate that i kind of love that section like because it worked on me immediately Mm. where like i was the tension in that moment and the way it was presented to me i didn't most people they automatically start running right and then that's the fail state i was like oh shit i have to be so careful and i was doing the slow creeping thing and like taking my opportunities to like get a bit of distance between but i love that moment it was really short but it just worked for me and it was another instance of oh they get the nuance to kill a croc he's not just a big dude that looks like a crocodile and is worth punching and that kind of stuff he can also be like this deadly predator <laughs> yeah you have to treat him with respect and totally. i love that moment yeah yeah i think that's that you beat him by blowing up the floor if i if i recall correctly i, I didn't <laughs> I hit that so. point uh, in my in my replaying it but um i think you blow up the floor with the with maybe one of my favorite things in all three of these games is that the explosive gel you use batman always draws a bat with it <laughs> yeah, every time yeah. it is it's so amazing. silly and so comic booky <laughs> and perfect uh, incredible but yeah you you spray paint a, a bat on the floor and then blow up the floor beneath killer croc which uh, sends him to his maybe demise but not really because it's comics yeah <laughs> yeah i think just going back real quick to scarecrow though like even before you get into the other world what i love is like things will be like a little bit different and you'll check your map and you can't like that's always like mm. the va- the transition between those worlds i always thought was the most effective because you're getting like, like kind of a really like small dose of the fear toxin as you're getting closer yeah. to him yeah. yeah it's really cool it's yeah cool. i remember i remember when the game came out that was the big like call out was like the scarecrow parts are either like a really like this is the best part of the game or this is like really difficult to just kind of like trudge through mechanically um i was very much in the former camp i very much thought that the joker bits i mean sorry the scarecrow bits were the best parts of the entire game i i loved that and i desperately wished that he became the larger villain which you know happens later in in mm-hmm. night so uh worked out for me but yeah that that was very much the standout for me um i feel like there is really a standout from all three games honestly i think i think you got you got scarecrow in the first one then mr free the first mr freeze fight in the second one is like one of the Mm -hmm. more brilliant i think like fights and tutorials like in a video game um 
And uh, actually, I can't think of one for, for, for Night specifically off the bat, but it's a good video game, so we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But yeah I, um, I think in Asylum as well, like the Poison Ivy thing was like mechanically not all that interesting, but mm-hmm. uh, what I loved about it was the actual, the environment where it took place, like that, oh, the, yeah. the kind of overgrown, you know, uh, they, I think the plants were impacted by the Titan formula as well. If yes. I remember correctly, yeah, so yeah. they were she like really big, and, yeah, yeah. She gets a hit of it, so like that was really cool, and just another way to like there's value and there's something to really love about each boss fight, even if it isn't a standout boss fight. And in in the Poison Ivy fight, it is very much the scenario that you're put in and the environment and the care and attention made to f- made it made put into making it feel like this like unhinged plant lady's lair, um, <laughs> and I love that. Um, so like that's the one, that's another fight which I was like, that's great, but like. Um, yeah, the scarecrow one, like you said, is definitely the one that stands out in the in that game. Yeah, I um, I I just in thinking about the end of this game where the Joker ends up, uh, he he essentially, I think if I recall correctly, he tries to shoot Batman with the Titan serum, and and it doesn't work for some reason or another, and uh, and and or maybe he has the, I think he has the um serum to to cure himself immediately or something along those lines, so it doesn't affect him at that point. And Joker decides in that moment, he's like, well, if I can't mess with you, then I have nothing left to live for, and shoots himself in the head with the gun that has the Titan serum in it, uh, which then turns him into the big hulking nightmare joker that exists uh mm. at, at the end of this game as the final boss fight which feels so much and it's just funny because they're both unreal engine like coming out around the same time it feels so much like the end of bioshock uh mm. just in like you have to have a big boss fight at the end like the person you've been talking to throughout the entire game has to become like a big hulking mass that can like hit you really hard like you don't really need that but i do appreciate mm. their commitment to making that ripple out in in the narrative in future games but I think even just like looking back on it, I think the way they executed that that narrative idea in City and Night actually retroactively makes me feel better about it in Asylum. Whereas when I played the game originally, I thought it was, you know, silly and nonsense, as I think most people did. But now knowing how it fits into the larger story, it's a little bit like watching, you know, just just the Empire Strikes Back and like thinking like, okay, well, this ends on a bummer note. So like, I don't like this movie without thinking about what's going to happen in the next one in a way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I It's been really interesting going back and replaying these games because I had such like deep seated ideologies about what works and what doesn't. And a lot of them were upended, I think. City, I think more than most, but we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, what, what, what did you think about uh, the end of the video game, Tam? I, yeah, I think you're very much, you nailed it on the head there. Like that, I think there was a discussion around that time about bad endings because of like the one-two punch of like Bioshock. And there was a couple of others, like people were like, why i think it was people feeling deflated after it all like bioshock and absolutely at the time stunning like game and like an achievement in narrative that ends with you punching or chewing a dude <laughs> that's like yeah like and like even by their own admission like ken levine and the team have been like yeah we know but like there was more to that than us like trying us really like failing to land the ending there's pressures from outside of it that you know have to make that cause these kind of things yeah absolutely i think what what separates this one is like it's also kind of works for this game like and because of the because of the kind of and I I realize when I say this, it's going to sound like I'm kind of not shitting on, but like not taking seriously the potential for good endings in comic books by saying it's a very comic book ending. Mm. Like 
you know, big power, need to show Batman overcoming it, etc., etc. I know comic books are way more complicated than that, and they can have interesting endings. It's happened time and time again, but it just feels like that time when it, you know, in the same way that the first Batman movie or the first Batman TV show, I'm not counting the original, the original one, but like the um the Adam West era one, like it was very much the broad brush strokes of Batman, and it was that way because it was the first time a a, a bigger market or group of people were watching Batman. So you don't want to get too nitty gritty into the moral complexities of it. This felt like the first time a major gaming audience was looking at Batman and experiencing a Batman story in that way. And it felt like to me, of course, they need to hit the the intersection of like Batman story and what a gamer wants and how a gamer needs an ending of a video game to happen, which is usually, here's a big thing. I need to shoot or punch it to win. <laughs> and, here's Street Shark uh, Joker for yeah, you. Uh, it, yeah. it, it was the equivalent of we need to make Mario jump on Bowser's head three times to win this. And yeah. That what it kind of that's what it kind of felt like in <laughs> in the Batman universe. We need to get Batman to punch giant Joker a bunch yeah. of times so that people can be like, "I did the win." Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do really appreciate the end of that fight though, because he spray paints a bat on his fist with the explosive gel and then punches <laughs> him in the face, which like yeah. rips. I mean, that is the most metal shit. Yeah, uh, I like to imagine like there's like that's Rocksteady doing that. They're like, "Well, if we have to make it go out like this, we're gonna make it." look metal as hell yeah. so like, put, make him spray the bat signal somewhere i also appreciate how the the follow-up cutscene is like also very short and sweet it's like okay problem solved i'm out of here and like yeah. it's a really good beginning to i mean i don't know if they had plans like or they even knew there would be a, a potential for a follow-up after this but like it does work as a really self-contained moment in in batman history and and tam you you mentioned something that that kind of changed the way i see this is like while this uh, while the Arkham trilogy was coming out alongside the Nolan trilogy, and there are a lot of comparisons, and I think the later games are a lot more similar in tone to the mm. Nolan trilogy. Yeah, this game, despite you know being, I guess, more realistic in the graphics, is way more animated series or even Tim Burton in tone. You know, like it has that like it's inherently dark in what's happening, but like the characters and the dialogue are all silly, and I love like this is probably you know like a given given how long these games have been out, but the game over screens with the villain or just like another opportunity yeah. the game has to like honor those characters yeah, and like totally. I'm so glad that has stayed through the whole trilogy and it's such a it's such a sign of authorship in this game specifically I think you know like yeah. it's really it's really well done and I think that the lighter tone does lend itself to like justifying you know uh, the Joker being the final boss and being big with the mohawk and stuff yeah yeah, um, and, and, yeah. and like it, there is like the, the way they did that is so smart like massive amounts of credit to Rocksteady but also like massive amounts of credit in who they partnered with and and you know like they brought in Paul Dini who worked on the original animated series and they had like input from DC side I think it was don't know if it was Jeff Johns or Jim Lee but I know that at some point I think it was Jim Lee for um Asylum and um uh City and then Jeff Johns for maybe night i might be mis hmm. misremembering that but i know they at each stage because paul danny was not working on um night so i think they bought in jeff johns or someone like that who who broadly was like in charge of making sure that the dc stuff was going well and will have had an advisory role i know the night was designed by jim lee in later on so you know it's oh, kind cool. of thing, but like the, their partnership with dc is really really important and i think that's how 
that's how they kind of anchored the animated series part of it making it feel like that and then it was a lot of like rocksteady just pulling from the things they want they have that like the gothic vibe of the timber and stuff and you know the the seriousness in times in terms of like the groundedness of uh the nolan stuff that was also in there so like it's super worth uh like paying compliment to how well they've taken so much of the the milieu of batman and combined it into this one thing that one one like brings it together in a natural way but at the same time reforms it into something distinctly their own like their universe is a a picture created from other people's you know visions but somehow it's their own and like it's become this distinct new universe and i think that's why people batman fans specifically respond to it so well because it's like something new made of everything that you love yeah which is so difficult to pull off that's what i found so interesting um not to bring it back here but to the uh about the gotham knights trailer specifically was how different it felt it was like very clear that rocksteady wasn't making the game immediately because mm. as soon as you see those characters running around gotham it's like oh you can tell that the people making this game from a visual standpoint are way more influenced by the joel schumacher stuff than they are by whatever rocksteady was pulling from in this case because because mm. gotham knights looks very like vibrant and kind of uh art deco in a way that i i think uh rocksteady kind of like bailed from which is interesting be- because they're pulling so much from the from the animated series which is like a very like literally an art deco work i think but uh yeah i, I i'm totally with you i i think the the visual design in this game and the visual language of gotham is like fascinating in in this in this trilogy specifically um but arkham asylum by itself the intricacies of like even the molding and and the arkham asylum logo all over the place is is like so visceral and and so great at at setting a tone and creating a sense of place that like it's it's no wonder that like even just that alone makes this almost like a masterwork in itself and it's wild that it got even better as you went along in the trilogy um considering Mm. how much this game got right from go i mean we haven't even talked about the combat at all but the flow motion combat i think that was the that was the name for it was flow motion yeah flow motion as like a combat system was not only successful as a way to make you like to to do the video game review thing feel like batman but like Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly (laughs) honestly like was so good that it just got lifted and ripped and put in every other game i mean the assassin's creed series right now is flow motion combat like that Mm -hmm. is that is i feel like uncharted as well like was similar yeah Yeah. like at least in the more hand-to-hand moments shadow of mordor shadow of war Mm -hmm. like similar It, it became the kind of the template for a lot of action games uh, especially in the open world like that yeah. that kind of stuff most action games even now still use it uh, one of my favorites which i'm just going to plug which doesn't get enough love is sleeping dogs so um, yeah perpetu- perpetually on sale if you've not played uh, <laughs> sleeping dogs and want that kind of same feel play that game i've never talked about sleeping dogs on this show but like hard hard follow-up agree with that please yeah. play sleeping dogs it's incredible video game it's also becoming a movie i'm actually excited about the movie <laughs> as long as it's very silly it's got donnie yen in it but like sleeping dogs has one of the oh, greatest awesome. video game it's got one of the greatest incidental video game characters background video game characters of all time which is pork bun guy who's just a guy <laughs> who's at a a pork bun stall and will literally scream at you if you walk by him why don't you have a pork bun in your hand <laughs> he's fantastic uh that's amazing that's like game. the cabbage yeah. guy in avatar like just yeah. this kind of yeah. traveling merchant yeah, yeah. 
Um, That's so fun. Anything else on Asylum before we move on to City? Um, I think the one gripe that we kind of touched on in passing, but I think we also recognize like the spectacle of the boss fights, but like the boss fights are kind of notably weaker or, or feel a little weirder than like fighting in general does. Mm, yeah. I think that's because the flow motion is like so specifically designed to take on groups of enemies that when you like suddenly make that version of Batman take on one, it loses a bit. I do think though that the Poison Ivy fight and I think Killer Croc to an extent being like all about the environment rather than like punch this guy is where the game really shines. But yeah, I mean, I think Batman fan or not, this game is is a must play and I think it will mm-hmm. make you a Batman fan if you play I it. I totally agree. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, it's somehow like, like you mentioned earlier, Tam, like it's, it's for fans and it's self-contained enough that you can jump in and know what's going on in a way that you wouldn't if you like watched Infinity War without watching anything else. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I have some like quick fire things that I can just rattle off that I remember about it. Sure. Um, In the UK, it came with 3D glasses, which the literal, not like modern 3D glasses, but like the two colors. The red and blue. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it was, it was absolute dog shit and like (laughs) did not work. Um, Originally, the game was supposed to have Jarvis Tech in it, um, Mad Hatter, but they scrapped that. Um, The combat officially like the original prototype of the flow motion combat was built as a rhythm game which is why it feels like that Um, that's cool yeah so it was rhythm based and it had like the colored um so like uh symbols appearing on screen so you could like uh kind of time your combat and then they changed that into the free flow system uh which which it became that's fascinating. Um, what else was there? Uh, the uh, island, Arkham uh, Island, is inspired by Alcatraz. Um, and I, mm. since I've moved to San Francisco, I've been desperate to go to Alcatraz because yeah. of it. But it's oh. just so difficult to get on there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the anti-piracy measures they had for that game was that uh, Batman's cape wouldn't deploy as a glider if you downloaded the game illegally. Oh my so god! There were, yeah, there were a lot of people on forums that were complaining the game was bugged because Batman's cape wouldn't open. And then Rocksteady came out and was like, "If that's happening to you, it's because you've downloaded an illegal version of the game." <laughs> and uh, that, that which I thought, which I thought was absolutely incredible. What else was there? Uh, there's a um, there's a room in the game. Uh, which is not accessible immediately it's it completely invisible to maps and it took people many many i think it was years but it might have been like i might be remembering the timeline for it wrong um oh is this the office which, with the concept yeah, art so, yeah i was gonna so bring this you, up too cool yeah so you uh spray your gel on there and blow it up and it was entry into an office and on the wall of the office there's a bunch of pictures and blueprints and one of them is of an island which is the prototype for uh, Arkham City. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like the awesome. plans for uh, Gotham turning a piece of the city into Arkham into Arkham yeah. City. Yeah, it's very much like Cordyceps mentioned in in Uncharted before The Last of Us came out. That kind of vibe to it. Yeah, um, which is the same thing that Naughty Dog did. Yeah, which I, I I believe they stole from these guys, <laughs> these folks. <laughs> yeah, these folks. Let's uh let's take a quick break. I think that's a good segue into Arkham City. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the second game in this trilogy arkham city cool amazing cool see you soon we're back the year is 2011 and batman arkham city has just (laughs) been released for the playstation 3 the xbox 360 and pc and eventually the wii u uh (laughs) (laughs) 
that sounded like a video essay where you're going to talk about like why the Wii U version is secretly the best, you know? <laughs> I mean, that touchpad support, though, there's some interesting yeah. stuff going on there. Just saying. For sure. Uh, no, Plaza. It's, it's not very good. I, I sure did have it and it wasn't very fun. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about Arkham City. Just again, contextualizing where it's at in, in the grand scheme of things. I think the general vibe at the time was Rocksteady said, hey, we're doing a sequel to Batman Arkham Asylum, a game everybody loved, a game everybody loved because it was a 3D Metroidvania. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the reason everybody loved it, but they said, we're going to take that idea and we're going to put it in an open world. And that open world is not going to be Gotham City, uh, which, you know, seems like the obvious move, but instead is going to be a piece of Gotham City that's been sanctioned for story reasons to be just kind of like a big open world asylum, essentially, uh, for criminals in Blackgate and also the criminally insane. Like Escape from New York, but in Gotham, basically. Uh, People were not sold on that idea when it was announced. The idea of taking what worked about Asylum, which a lot of people I think at the time just assumed was the fact that it was contained and the and the level design was so specific. I mean, honestly, like that's like a Spyro game, but you're Batman in a weird way uh, with like <laughs> the hub world and going into the different doors to take you to the different villains. I mean, weirdly enough, uh, very wow. kind of like old school game design, old school game level design. In, in I'm sorry, can we, just, can we rebrand Metrovania as Spyro-like instead? <laughs> <laughs> we can be the change we want to see. And then City came out, and I think immediately, critically, was like, somehow, this is better than the first one. Uh, was at least a lot of what I remember from that time period. Um, and I remember picking it up, playing it immediately, because I loved Asylum, so I picked up City and played it immediately. And kind of agreed. I played the whole game, like, almost without moving. <laughs> like, I just, I, I specific, I so viscerally remember exactly where I was when I played it. Like, I remember sitting in the apartment that I was living at the time, sitting on the couch, playing it. I, I slept on the couch for, like, two days, so I could, like, just play the game. Mm. Um, and it ruled. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating game it's pulling from like a lot of the the uh i would say deeper batman lore than you would expect from the beginning i mean hugo strange is like the main villain that they set up right in the beginning by himself is an interesting choice um and the uh villains that are revealed later on are also fascinating but really at the center of it all again is is joker and the fallout from what happens to him when he injects the titan in himself um which you get like right at the beginning and then like kind of has big ramifications towards the end but he's like a mess i mean obviously he became this giant like bane hulk abomination adjacent looking thing um and is now like shrunken down to the size of his normal old body like obviously that's gonna do some wild stuff to your uh, physiology um so a lot of the game is about just about the ramifications of that um Mm. and it's 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 an interesting video game it's an interesting setup at least for a video Mm. game i think um i remember the skepticism around the open world thing and i remember being actively like not like that because i was i told myself Last time these these lot made a game about Batman, you were almost going to write it off. Don't make the same mistake again. <laughs> yeah. And I was very careful about not doing that. But I do remember two things about that game um, really sold me on it. There was artwork, which was this stark black and white artwork that was Batman red- rendered in CG. And it was absolutely beautiful. I think if you buy the the art book now, it's the same cover. Mm. But it's like got one of the images where it's like Batman and Catwoman standing back to back. And she's got like a, a, uh, a almost like a rope or one of her like tours like ensnared around him. Um, that was like 
the the kind of key art they used um for that game was like really really stunning and there's one of him where he's like in the corner of the frame like he looks like spider-man where he's like just hanging onto the side of a building and his cape is kind of like framing the bottom of the 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 uh, frame and like the city is just stretching out far into the distance that one was really cool and then there's another one where he's like standing like in his hero pose and looking down and it's got harley quinn kind of like giving him shit but you can only see her from behind and she's got like the hip like tilted towards the side as in like attitude giving him shit and like she's got a finger in his face and i remember looking at that and just being like transfixed by it and like yeah. being like these and there's an, the, th- the other one is like where he's clearly just been punched and it's black and white and he's like wiping mm. red blood off of him yeah, i looked at I that stuff one. and i was like these lot know what they're doing they have to know <laughs> what they're doing yeah and then the, the first one of the trailers that they released was i think it was called the no place for a hero trailer and it was it had this song by a group called the heavy and it was called short change hero and um it was like a showcase of what that game is and i think it starts with like that same black and white style over like the dc rocksteady wb um kind of uh logos and then it begins with hugo strange narrating it and then you Mm. just get a bunch of like sequences from the game it's like two-face pointing a gun at catwoman right at the start batman soaring through the air and then doing like the the kind of like dive as he kind of like lands on the ground and the shockwave happens and he's running and then a grappling hook comes out and like just takes off into the air and like when that grappling hook came out and you just see him just leave the ground and go into the sky i was like like hands on head like oh my god this is gonna be it this is gonna be the best game ever made and (laughs) I'm not, I like when it came out and I was like, yep, this is one of the best games ever created. I was like, again, beside myself of how happy I was at this game. And like that trailer, I still go back to it and watch it every now and then because it still gives me chills when I see it. And like every time I see it, I'm like, I've got to play this game again. I need to play the game again. <laughs> and I'm so glad that like that trailer exists out there. So like if you haven't seen it, I think it's called No Place for a Hero, like Batman Arkham City. That is the name for it. I just trailer. pulled it up to scrub through it and you were like very accurate with your description of what that trailer looks like so good and like uh also like batman trailers for these games are some of the best in the business the original one for arkham origins is stunning yeah it's so good because it's bruce wayne just looking directly at the camera and every traumatic and important moment from his life is happening around him but he's always just staring at you and it's just phenomenal um so they, they are great at putting out good trailers um so i was i was all in on city the moment they announced it yeah steven did you play city when it came out uh somehow i i feel that this is my follow-up but somehow i completely missed it uh, i was too busy still playing the demo of asylum like a maniac uh, yeah i i don't know what it was i mean i'm thinking about like where i was in 2011 i was i was in college and like i remember that year like skyrim like kind of took over everything oh yeah you know and like i mean i was a huge oblivion fan as you know and uh like i got skyrim the day it came out and like that took up pretty much everything for like most of that year mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. that that was the same time i think i got into mass effect so like i was getting pulled in like you know big rpg directions that like i think for whatever reason I, I i always wanted it and i had a lot of friends who had it and that was also at a time where i lived in a like off-campus house where there were mm-hmm. like six other people and i think some of them had it so i got to like watch it and like be part of it 
but I never had it for myself. I think I was also like poor, so like I couldn't, right. <laughs> like I, I couldn't get it at the time. So yeah, that was like the like eating Cliff bars for dinner and playing the demo of Arkham Asylum vibe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Skyrim but, also so, came out like within a couple of weeks. I just checked yeah. the date between the two of them. Yeah. So that I mean that even makes more sense then if yeah. that's like where my attention was at. But I, I played it for the first time now for this episode and like. Even now, I, I can feel the like impact and like the the sort of immediate like one upmanship from Asylum. Where yeah. this game opens and it's so much more interested in being like more movie like in a way that doesn't forget it's a video game, but like opening with Catwoman getting the safe and then that whole transition to Two Face, like yeah. it feels very cinematic mm. and it also is setting up a story that is like inherently a very interesting Batman story. You know, it's not like we're walking into this place and we got to stop the bad thing from happening it's like okay there's already like a very new idea happening with the setting right um and i think what really makes the setting work going back to like okay we don't want this to feel like muddied by being open world like everything about asylum was so focused and so you know contained but i think what makes city work is one by by like modern open world standards it's still not huge like you can get around pretty easily and i think that's something that a lot of open world games should still do because i think we've seen what happens when you try to stretch it too thin and it's not interesting yeah you're you're a constant goof about like this is the biggest map in an open world game ever it's like that's not a yeah. good thing <laughs> Yeah. If you walk by foot, you'll die on the way. Yeah. One, <laughs> one of the kind of fun, ironic things that kind of I always remember about this game is, you know, we talked about uh, the first Arkham Asylum coming out at a time that Prototype came out and Prototype being developed by the Hulk Ultimate Destruction team. What Hulk Ultimate Destruction did so well is it was also kind of open world, but it made traversal so much fun. Yeah. Like you yeah. were just leaping across buildings. And that is what Arkham City does so well. Like the all the stuff you mentioned is small, but what what the reason why it feels good is because getting around that city is an absolute joy. Like yeah. doing the grapnel boost into the air, dive, go straight down. And like ironically, it kind of comes full circle. Like they Rocksteady owes a debt of gratitude to Radical's uh, you know, Hulk game on that. And that's why it kind of feels so good about like, it, although it's massive, uh, at the same time as being smaller comparatively, you can make the biggest world in the game, in the world, you can make a big open world. It could be the biggest in the industry. If your means of getting around in that world is boring, it's pointless. And I hate totally. it. Absolutely. Like, and that's one of the things about, I love the GTA games. I do not enjoy driving in those games. I yeah. know a lot of people are super into it, but when I'm like focused on the story, I hate the moving around in that world. It That's feels like, like busy work sometimes. Yeah, it feels yeah. like busy work. I will frequently turn on the Arkham games just so I can glide. Like I'll turn it on, yeah. glide for 15 minutes, turn it off. And I mean, you know, like direct comparison to the to a later game, the Marvel Spider-Man on PS4. Mm -hmm. I, I like was thinking of that game while playing City, which came out well before that and is a testament to the design here. Exactly. And it's why like I lament that I can't play the Beanox Spider-Man game from last gen. So like it not as critically acclaimed, barely even remembered. So Beanox the Spider-Man game, they did this incredible thing, which the modern Spider-Man game also does, where they change the camera angle with Spider-Man as you get closer to the ground. So when you were close to the ground, the camera was basically over your shoulder mm. and you could hear the air rushing. And when you like came on your upswing, it would pull back. The feeling of swinging in that Beanox game is still to me, in my mind, unparalleled. Like I mm -hmm. think it's incredible, but like if you've got a good traversal, I, I love that game. 
I love I will love your game. And I think Arkham series has some of the best traversal in video games. I agree. And I, I mean, the one other point I wanted to make about why City doesn't feel like stretched thin is the look of it, too. Like there's so much character with the buildings. It kind of goes with what you were saying earlier about how Poison Ivy's section is like overgrown in, in Asylum. Like, you know, in City, there's like the Penguin Gang and the Two-Face Gang and, and Poison Ivy has her place. Mr. Freeze is in the coldest part of Arkham City. So like, yeah, there's so much character and like colorful stuff happening in the setting that it feels alive and it feels intentional. And I think that's why it doesn't feel like it still feels like you're playing a purposeful game. It's just bigger. Yeah, <laughs> I think just, this is also this is just in terms of aesthetics and not to turn this again into like the flip and scratch like graphics. Wow. Like time, but honestly, this game is just like Spyro. This, yeah. <laughs> this this game still in in 2020 looks great and uh, oh, yeah. I, I went back just to make sure that it wasn't just the return to Arkham like kind of remaster or pseudo remaster thing that was happening here but you go back and look at the original footage of this game for when it came out looked incredible in 2011 and like still extremely holds up it's kind of amazing that this was like a previous generation game the fact that this came out in the PS3 and Xbox 360 this to me like was the game that solidified like Rocksteady is actually very interested in pushing the boundaries of what is technically possible visually on hardware which I'll get into way more in depth when we talk about night um but was like shocking when this game came out I mean even mm. now the density of the world uh not only the size of it but just the density of of the detail within the world of Arkham City is like thrilling still to explore and to move around and and to just experience cuz it it just feels like so jam packed with detail um, that you almost feel bad for gliding over all of it at times. At least that's yeah. how I felt in revisiting it was just like how, how shocking it was that they got so much packed into such a small space. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a whole, it's a more confident game and mm -hmm. you can see in terms of, um, the way they present and the game itself is obviously more confident from the outset. It's more ambitious, but also I think the way people took it and the way it was marketed, I hate to bring up marketing around games like as a thing to praise, but this, I think it's when important. It I agree. Yeah, when it comes to Batman, like it's really important, especially specifically this game, because it speaks to like people knew that this was a big deal. Like they realized that this team knew exactly what they were doing and they had something special on their hand and they went much harder in terms of marketing the game. And one of my favorite pieces of marketing i hate saying that is for batman arkham city so there's a like behind the scenes video and it's specifically focused on voice talent and the only reason i mention it is because it stands out in my mind as something that i watch over and over again and love to seeing at the time and if you're a batman fan or you're just interested in game development it's worth watching but you can find it on the youtube uh for, of, for hit video game website GameSpot. but it's called like GameSpot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called like voice talent they did a behind the scenes about the production and it's got sefton hill and uh gareth crocker i think his name is narrative lead but it's one of the few instances of video footage of mark hamill and kevin conroy voicing the characters in a booth cool. and it's clear and you can see it and i recommend everyone watch that if you've never seen mark hamill do joker yeah it is absolutely un 
real because they set the moment up by saying it's Sefton Hill who says seeing Mark Hamill become the Joker to do the voice of the Joker is unlike anything I've experienced or something like that and then they show you it and that dude's face looks like the Joker. He is like, ben o- and like his face is twisting in ways. And like, every time I see it, it gives me chills. Yeah. Like it's such a good piece of marketing. And he like physically is contorting and like he does the laugh. And it's the line, I think it's the line, there's plenty wrong with me. Mm. Um, You should know there's plenty wrong with me, which is how the, uh, the trailer that I mentioned previously ends. It has like a short break and then the Joker emerges from the shadow to deliver that line and look at you. Yeah. And seeing Hamill do that is like, I saw that and I was like, holy moly, this is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and like that trailer is super good as well because it shows you a little more of the setup and it just all speaks to they knew they had a massive game on their hand and confidence just oozes every part of this experience. And it's just, that's why I feel like it's a perfect, almost, I think it's a perfect video game for me. Yeah. I also just uh, to add a little plus one to that marketing beat. One mm-hmm. of the wildest things about this game that I viscerally remember is that Mark Hamill gave an interview where he said this is the last time he was going to play the Joker. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was like huge. So everybody immediately knew that the Joker was going to die. They just didn't know when or how or what. And and B, uh, I mean, people were like shocked that the Joker was kind of even really in it in such a huge capacity, I think, because so much of the marketing was centered around Stra- Hugo Strange in general. And uh uh, and and I just remember going into this game thinking the entire time, like, all right, well, I'm going to watch the Joker die at some point. I guess just like buckle up and wait for that to happen. And the way mm. they the way they pull that off in this game, about a million fake outs along the way, because they know that, that marketing beat was going to get picked up, was going to be proliferated to every outlet possible. And that everyone who was interested in playing this game at launch was going to have some uh, some kind of like uh, media literacy, knowing that the Joker was going to die at some point. They just fuck with you yeah. for the entire like 25 hours of the game constantly killing the Joker off and then having him pop out from a corner and be like, yeah. you <laughs> fell for the classic double Joker trick or whatever it is he says. Um, it rules. I, it rules. Down to the last reveal of Clayface being the Joker and being like, it was the perfect role. I was so excited to <laughs> assume the role of the Joker was like brilliant, love brilliant move this narratively. Is, this is a complete tangent and kind of self-indulgent story, but like, I it. just feel like I should tell it like, so I, I remember going to a convention on Star Wars. Uh, it was like a Star Wars. What's the Star Wars convention called? It's like the big Star Wars day thing. Um, It like travels, it like travels around the world and it's in a different location each time. And they held one in the UK once and I went to it and I was there purely as like me and a couple of colleagues. We were there to cover the Star Wars stuff because Star Wars is important, but mainly the thing that we were there for was Battlefront. And like it was the first playable um, uh, kind of instance of Battlefront. So we're like, we've got to play it, preview, video capture, that kind of stuff. EA invited us and I was like, great, great, great. And um, so we're in this kind of like traditional convention hall like loads of booths open tops and you can hear like eight different panels coming in at different from different like parts of the the convention hall and they're all coming together in this miasma of sound that is completely like indiscernible you don't know who's talking about what it's just the sound of a convention and like i'm (laughs) sitting there playing um and playing a battlefront with a colleague and like a lightning strike just hearing it clearly from the distance Mark Hamill doing the Joker <laughs> over the speakers. And I remember playing this Battlefront and it literally stopped me in my tracks. And like we were playing multiplayer and like my colleague sitting next to me was like, what are you doing? Why have you stopped playing? 
And like, she was looking at me. I was like, can you not hear Mark Hamill doing the Joker right now? And like, it was coming over. And like, she like reattuned her hearing and was like, holy shit. Yeah. There's something unbelievable about Mark Hamill's Joker. It's like... For real. It's a, it's a kind of magic that I just cannot explain, but I absolutely adore it. And that is why that marketing beat i this is the last time i'm going to be playing joker work so hard on me yeah because like the intense love i have for that voice and many people have for that voice the idea that he'll never do it again it's just like heartbreaking right (laughs) and also knowing his own love of playing that character right like he he has very frequently in interviews said like me being able to play the Joker is the reason I still have a career these days. You know, like I was so, <laughs> I was so locked into being Luke Skywalker that by the time they gave me the ability to be behind the camera, behind an animated facade, playing a character this iconic and to give it as much as he possibly could is the reason that he still had a career after, after Star mm. Wars, which like rule. So for him to be like, I'm done with this was horrifying. Um, but you also had to see it happen. You know, um, yeah. it, it was, it was like a zeitgeisty moment when this game came out for that reason, uh, which is why I picked it up regardless of my own feelings about it becoming an open world game. You know, at the time I was like, every game's an open world game. Now I don't need Batman to also be one. One of the strengths of asylum was that it wasn't an open world game, but, uh, boy, did they prove me wrong? Cause this game mm-hmm. rips the whole way, the whole Incredible. from, from, go i mean not to get into like the the like silly like uh this actually wouldn't work because xyz thing but like the very silly (laughs) premise of instead so just to like set up the premise of this game uh arkham city as a prison exists because the guy who was running arkham asylum was like i want to run for mayor and when I'm mayor, what I'm going to do is uh, because it would be so expensive to refurbish Arkham Asylum and Blackgate Prison, I'm going to instead raise the money to buy a whole piece of Gotham City and turn that into a prison and asylum, which seems like that would cost way more money than the other two things. That, that whole thing was actually set up before it as well in a kind of interstitial, I think it was a comic book, but there were a couple oh, cool. of twins. There's a there's a two twin characters. I can't remember the exact names, but basically they discovered the venom that fell into the river at the end of asylum oh yeah and there were these two scrawny like like male female duo and um they were part of i think it was two faces gang at the time they discovered the venom took or the titan um took the titan became beefed up and tried to stage a coup to take over the two-face gang and also um kind of by extension gotham city um that failed but what they did instead was like they 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 speak to a guy called the professor in the last final moments mm. and they the professor kind of tells them do what you need to do to support our cause and they basically explode in like a suicide bombing incident which is what happened which is what gives quincy the kind of like a leverage to start presenting these wacky plans yeah but batman automatically knows that's the the kind of fully formed nature of that plan is too smart for quincy so he's immediately twigged to the idea of someone else is behind this and is that is why bruce wayne goes into the new constructed city at the start of that game he's putting himself into harm's way because he's already got that clue going totally 
That's that is actually very interesting. So one of the one of the I think the fascinating things about the game story wise, it's like such a brilliant way of taking Batman out of the field, uh, at least initially. Right. Hugo Strange's idea is like, I'm going to capture Bruce Wayne because he's a lot easier. to He already knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. He's like, I'm going to capture Bruce Wayne because he's easier to capture than Batman. I'm Mm going to put him in a room uh, where I have him tied up. He's behind, you know, a bunch of monitors and cameras. There's like armed guards hanging out in the room and I'll threaten him and say that if you try and escape from here or stop my plans from happening, I'm going to reveal to everyone that you are Batman, which like actually good criminal plan, like really Mm -hmm. good Batman villain plan, I think, uh, for the most part. Obviously, you immediately escape uh, and then beat the shit out of the penguin. Uh, and <laughs> I was going to say, they replace Victor Zaz as the tutorial punch guy with penguin. With penguin. He's like, I'm going to give you a real good. He like, yeah. just ragdolls off camera. It's amazing. Uh, great penguin yeah. design, too. He has the bottom half of a bottle yeah. lodged into his yeah. face just as like, his monocle. Uh, uh, really Nolan, good. Nolan North doing the voice. Is that oh, Nolan yeah. North? No, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Oh, man. And then he immediately, you know, gets his bat suit and then you're out in the world doing stuff. Um, and and I, I think like story wise, this game kind of meanders a little bit more than even Asylum does, I think. And definitely more than City does, because uh, Night feels like a very, uh, very like tight narrative, I think, I think idea. And, and Asylum, as we mentioned, is so simple in its setup. Um, City is a little bit of like, a, it was me all along. No, it was me. No, it was me. You know, just like constant plot twists. But I think a lot of them work because the game is so long. I think that's one of the interesting things about video games as like a narrative media in general is like because you're able to sit there for 20 to 30 hours and play a thing, having five to eight hours between plot twists is actually really compelling and really Mm. satisfying at times. And this game really leans into that by making you think Hugo Strange is the big bad for so much of it. And then, no, suddenly it's Ra's al Ghul. And then suddenly it's the Joker. Like, that's thrilling in the moment, Um, even if it is very silly when you just say it all like I just did or, like, read it on Wikipedia or whatever. Yeah, I I think, like, the story stuff, the main story stuff was fine. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. City is my favorite game in this franchise. And the reason I love it is, one, it lets you... I think being the Batman is like each of the games does that in a different way. Mm. I think this one does it most and it it does it best and it did it first because being the Batman means being in an open world where you choose what you're doing and the choice where you decide to stop a crime is your own. Even if Mm. it kind of plays out in a very similar way, that's that feeling of it is so, so important. And the thing I loved about it was all the stuff, the way it brought in the wider world, the the, what it did in the side was like, all of these characters are just here. You just happen to stumble upon them mm-hmm. and they're, they're waiting for you to punch them in the face. Like <laughs> this game, like what made it distinct was those characters, a lot of the the um, kind of villains are out in the world and they're all doing things independently. And then you kind of insert yourself into into their path and cre- you know solve the crime or solve this side quest. Like the stuff that is in the periphery of the main story is some of the best stuff. Like I love the Azrael stuff. Like that, typifies it for me like the first time you like pan the camera and just see this strange figure staring at you (laughs) on a rooftop and you're like who is that and then you go over there and he's just vanished and then you keep seeing it happening and it culminates in Azrael and he's just like I'm here I'm watching you and I'll be your successor and then vanishes (laughs) incredible you're like holy shit that is the kind of thing where you're like if you're playing it with no understanding of the wider universe you're immediately going to Google and being like what is Azrael and and then you're down a Wikipedia hole and then you're like oh 
And it's the same with like shot in the dark, the dead shot mission or like mm-hmm. hush identity theft, the hush thing. Yeah. Like at a certain point, if you have no clue what is going on there, you'll type in hush. It will take you to the hush comic book series. And then you're reading one of the most like beloved comic books in Batman's world. Right. So good. Like this is what I mean. I mean, this this game is just felt like if if Arkham Asylum was this like kind of top level. Here's a great introduction to Batman. Arkham City is like there's a whole world of incredible shit going on in the Batman mm-hmm. like meta narrative universe that like a lot of people I think dismiss because it seems silly and it doesn't seem as grounded as some of the other ones, but they work just as well in this kind of setting. I think Azrael's a great point. Hush is a great one. I mean, Rachel Ghoul in general, as like an immortal being who found mm. the fountain of youth and is able to com- like constantly resurrect himself and like loves dying so he can come back again. Yeah, is wild. And to fit that into the larger scope of this, to say like actually the Joker wants to find the fountain of youth now so yeah. he can resurrect yeah. because he's sick from the stuff that happened in the first game is like even, so compelling. Even like after you know the previous game, Zaz has the cold call killer. Yes. Uh, line which is so good like going to um like payphones and and them working that system into like forcing you to use the traversal so clever what i love about this game is like the law is like they weaponize the law in this game you're so desperate to hear about things like you know they pick up you pick up the joker tapes and listen to him just leaving messages talking to you mm-hmm. and it's the same you want to hear about the history of zaz and like you're racing from one part of the city to another to pick up the phone so you can hear like the next step in their journey even if it's law that like a lot of you know like everyone knows because it's it's basic batman law it's presented to you in a way that just feels so exciting and engaging yeah and like everything from like the riddler stuff to like the heart of ice stuff the free stuff so good and i love the fact that they kind of work in um the riddler a little more interestingly like instead of just collecting his trophies yeah yeah so like it it feeds into like so in this universe the riddler or edward enigma began as uh the head of gotham city police department cybercrime division which is wild and like he's now out that kind of whole process turned him into a villain and it's why he's out there doing weird cybercrime shit now in the rest of the game (laughs) franchise yeah which i love and like it's so so cool that they do that and they're like twisting characters in interesting ways but ultimately always doing it to fit their own universe and the gameplay opportunities that exist within that universe yeah i also really love the the ambient radios while you're traversing the environment like hearing totally like the joe pesci-esque inmates being like i guess i'll join penguin like he seems a little bit you know like hearing that like deduction of like all right who do i side with in this place you know like that's he's gotta side with somebody yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I guess, I mean, Penguin won't like, I don't know. He's, he's seemingly more mortal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, of course, he's awful, too. One of the more interesting ones right at the beginning is uh, you hear a bunch of inmates talking about talking about the Joker. And they're like, last time I saw Joker, he looked kind of sick. And the other one's like, he just wants you to look sick. I mean, he, yeah. he, he yeah. just wants you to think that he looks sick because he's the Joker. And this is just how he like messing with people. Essentially. There's almost like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern vibe to yeah. the inmates. Cause some totally. of them are even like, yeah, Batman broke my back in asylum. Like I hate that guy. You know, <laughs> that, like, uh, that, that like, um, he wants you to look sick. Incredible way of just telling you exactly what's happening. But before you know it, yeah, yeah. because like the, the inmates are seeing the two different versions of Joker that exist, the Clayface one and the real one. Right. So like, it's, that's fascinating. My favorite thing that they do with the ambient dialogue is they bait you into being Batman. 
Batman so well, like so consistently, where you're flying around or you're walking a roof around a rooftop and you hear a goon go, if Batman showed up, I'd punch him right in the face right now. He wouldn't be able to take me on. And you're like, well, I have to go down there. I gotta show him. Like, it's just like the amount of times where it's like, it's like baiting you into going down and fighting enemies totally. like, to prove that you are the Batman and they fear you. Like, so, so clever. Like, that, that makes it feel so uniquely cinematic like to your actions in in ways that i think like this series and a lot of like naughty dog stuff does very well like i had a similar thing where i think it was in penguin's hideout and he's like you know ten thousand whoever kills the bat or whatever yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh the two guards one was like hey look it's easy to be cocky right now batman like kicked my ass many times just like <laughs> be cool and the other guy's like no what are you talking about i'm gonna kill him i want to get the prize i'm gonna be penguin's like top guy and crawling in the vents and that event like letting them talk like i let them talk right. for a bit and then smashing their heads together was like three <laughs> stooges perfection you know it was just so good it, I, I i totally agree tim i think that 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 also just aids like good traversal good good like visual design and great like just ambient storytelling that like is seemingly seemingly little but it it, it culminates so well to like you said foreshadowing big story events and making you feel like batman still you mm-hmm. know even in this different environment yeah and that that really i mean again it feels so tropey but like it's only because it so many people said it because it's so true but like one of the things i think really does make you feel like batman in a lot of instances in this game uh city specifically way more than i think asylum and night even which is um a game that i love but city nails giving you access to his gadgets in a way that i think Mm. like asylum like plays with but doesn't really commit to outside of like specific instances where you just need those gadgets to traverse the world as if it's a metroidvania city is like we're going to give you the entire utility belt and like really incentivize you to use it and i think if you're not using it by the time you hit mr freeze and his first boss fight where he learns what gadgets you're using and then knows how to counteract them to then fight you and like anytime you try and use a batarang on mr freeze at that point it doesn't work anymore anytime you try and use the explosive gel it doesn't work anymore um really just trains you to use all of it so then by the time you're done fighting him that first time you know how to use that entire arsenal and you're really really gonna use it and it's so fun to lean into like using i also think just from like a control standpoint mapping into the d-pad instead of the wheel that they bring up in in night later makes a lot more sense and makes it a lot more accessible um, totally but that is like honestly one of the only video games i've ever played like even including spider-man i think um which also does a pretty good job of this but not as well city does of of really allowing me to use that stuff however i want in the combat and out of the combat to like a really mm-hmm. great effect i think in a lot of games like spider-man i think uh, for some reason i was thinking a lot about sekiro and sekiro's like uh shinobi tools that he has um yeah I don't feel like using them because I'd rather play the the core combat the way it's designed, I think, in a lot of instances. And City is like, no, no, no. The core combat is using the gadgets. Um, and it really does a great job of, of like almost forcing you to use them and then allowing you to relish in understanding how to use them afterwards. Yeah, and making those quick shortcuts of like, here's how to use explosive gel while you're fighting a yes, group. Yes, exactly. You know, I, I totally agree. I think City is also my favorite of the trilogy, if I had to pick. I think like... There to me, there isn't one that's like head and shoulders above the others. Like they all do something really well. But I think like for what you want from this series, City like exceeds in all areas. And I think is like the perfect balance between 
just sort of like intentionality and ambition. You know, it doesn't feel stretched thin and it's just it's just great. I, I'm really happy I finally played it. Yeah, that that freeze boss fight, I know we talked about how good it is, but like incredibly influential as well. Like yeah. The Last of Us, another major, you know, beloved game. They use that that as a template for their thing with um in the uh, burning hotel or mm-hmm. the restaurant wherever it may be. It's the same boss fight, like almost <laughs> you know. And and like I love that. Like I love free stories because you know Heart of Ice. Yeah. Like ever since then, and I think the Rocksteady games are one of the few games to get Mister Freeze done well in the same way the animated series kind of or the movie based on it did yeah. it. But yeah, just just an outstanding game, top to bottom, and it's it's one of those games that when it released on PS4 as a a kind of um, the compilation, I was so happy. It's one of those games I always have on my consoles. I'm and then like when they announced PS5, kind of like 99% of games are going to be supported. I was like, <laughs> great, I'll be I'll be able to access Batman still. I'll be still able to access you know all the games in that series just because it holds up so well. Yeah, it's just a phenomenal game, top to bottom. It really does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also just real quick too, like but I don't know how I forgot this, but like playing as Catwoman is also incredible. That was like mm. one of the things I wanted to bring up. That's and one like, of the things that I also wanted to touch on because it's yeah. not a thing that I experienced the first time I played it. So I don't know if you knew this, Stephen, but that that was released separately after the fact originally. Oh, so for gotcha, people who okay. played the game right when it came out that catwoman stuff wasn't even a part of the game uh but now in the return to arkham i guess bundle it's it's like woven into the actual narrative in a way uh that actually informs a lot of really interesting beats going forward yeah down to the point where i didn't even realize this but i looked it up like earlier today just to like check and see how much changed because i was playing through the game and i was amazed that suddenly i was playing as catwoman there's a part in the game where you can just leave batman to die and the credits roll (laughs) like there's a part (laughs) there's a part where you're given the you see batman buried under a bunch of rubble and he's about to die and catwoman has like literally a briefcase filled with all of her belongings and she has to decide between going and lifting the rubble off of him and saving him and allowing Mm. the story to continue or just leaving and getting the life that she always wants which is just like having enough money leaving the life of crime moving somewhere else and just like having a cool life and and you can choose to do that and the game ends wow that's amazing yeah. this 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 was the first game that kind of really pushed the kind of boundaries back on the universe that they created by bringing in more of the wider batman universe and like having catwoman central figure and allowing you to play play as her that that was uh, released as dlc and there was like a bunch of follow-up dlcs there's a whole bunch of characters that are like are, are made their debut in this game like We've already mentioned like Hugo Strange and uh, kind of like uh, Razel Gaul and Talia's in there as well. Yep. And um, but there's also like Tim Drake's in there, Dick Grayson's in there, um, Jarvis Tetch, Floyd Lawton appears. Um, like Vicky Vale is a bigger deal. Roman yeah. Sionis, like Jack Ryder, for example, the Falcone gang who would be like important to Origins later on. And you know, there's so much in this game that kind of brings in the wider world and. It's got so much set up for more that comes and it's just a very, very good Batman experience and it's such a strong, I think it does the most to give the, the, this whole universe its own standing. And the fact that they could create comic books based on it is is purely because of the work that Rocksteady did in this game. Just yeah. fantastic. I think I think also one of the things that really sticks out to me, not even mechanically, but narratively about this game is, is that it really has... 
even more so than than Asylum did, a really interesting take on the Joker specifically, which like is a just hard to do always to have a have a new and interesting take on the Joker. But B, especially in this period where like we're now a couple of years removed from the Dark Knight, where people are like getting sick of that character because, you know, the heights that the Joker hit in the Dark Knight like rippled out and just like kind of forced the Joker into all this media down to like every person's Halloween costume being the Joker from the Dark Knight. You oh know? my God, yeah. To have <laughs> to have this game also have an interesting take. And the, the interesting take that it had was here's a Joker who's dying. And like, what does it look like when like he stops thinking things are funny and he just needs to live? He just needs to survive. And like one of the first things he does is he takes his own blood and injects it into Batman and is like, we're always tied together as as like almost symbiotic beings. But now we're really tied together because I need you to solve the riddle of how to fix my blood because I'm dying is like really, really, I think, an interesting take on him, you know, introducing the Clayface version of himself to make it seem like to make it seem like he's still kind of his young spry self and he can still rule his own gang and just like make keep up appearances in a way. But like in reality, he's kind of shriveling and dying, uh, you know, behind the scenes with Harley is is really shocking all the way down to the end of the game where you have the cure you have the serum and you're holding it there and and batman is sitting there talking about like all the horrible things that the joker has done he's like talking about like if i save you you'll just like i'll throw you into arkham and then you'll escape again and you'll go kill more people and then i'm gonna have to chase you down and it's this like endless cycle and and the end of that monologue is like but i'm gonna give it to you anyway but the joker thinks that this monologue exists as a way for him to kind of justify not giving him the serum and let him die like joker actually thinks for a moment that Batman's not going to save him and he tries to stab him in the arm with a knife and in so doing makes makes Bruce Wayne release the serum from his hand and it drops on the ground and shatters and the Joker dies. The Joker fucking dies in this game. He like dies for real and we mm-hmm. all knew it was coming because, you know, as we said earlier, Mark Hamill said that he's not going to play the Joker after this game so we all knew it was coming but the game ends with the Joker on the ground on all fours trying to lick the serum off the ground so he can survive just a little bit longer and he dies yeah. and, and lies flat on his back and Batman carries him out like some like Passion of the Christ shit and puts yeah. him on a cop car <laughs> And Jim Gordon's like, oh, what the hell happened in there? You know, it's a wild ending to this game to like kill off the Joker and say that there's going to be another game after this. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to kind of go back to was like the cool thing that they did with Calendar Man. I just remembered. Yeah. Where you could go to visit him on specific days and he would have like um, in the real world Calendar Man, he would have dialogue that would be like attuned to that day. So he would do the Calendar Man shtick on specific days for you, (laughs) which was just and like he's you find him in the courthouse uh, underneath the courthouse just in a jail cell and he was there from the start and people were like spending ages trying to figure out what he was there for and it turned out it was that he was like this almost like kojima-esque like live character Um, yeah (laughs) i guess you crossing like fascinating i do i very specifically (laughs) remember changing the date on my console so i could go visit him on all the holidays and just talk to calendar man if you buy the bootleg animal crossing you only have calendar man as a villain (laughs) it's like you buy the latest animal crossing when you turn it on instead of instead of fucking isabel it's just calendar man like (laughs) 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 he's a cranky villager you're like fuck off calendar man go away (laughs) you gotta check turnip prices calendar man (laughs) Um, 
Brendan recently told me that Calendar Man, he's my favorite, like, you know, like B villain of Batman. Yeah. And you told me recently that he malts his skin in December. Yeah. Didn't need to know that. But thank I, you for telling me. I also love that he's he's got one of my favorite, like, real name is like hinting at his villain name, Julian Gregory Day, like Gregorian <laughs> Calendar. <laughs> Which I'm like super into. I love that. <laughs> my friends call me Monday. TGIF, right? <laughs> Um, did you the other thing I kind of like uh, in kind of like the uh, quick fire thing I wanted to bring up did you know about the um, the Harlequin subplot that's suggested but never really kind of realized there's no. multiple implications that Harlequin is pregnant in this game whoa so oh, like wow. the first time I think you you or you get one which is like when you're looking at a costume of a, a Harlequin costume like there's a pregnancy test on the floor which is like I think it's like fruitful fruitful endeavors or something like that pregnancy test and it's positive um and then well, later on there's a bit where she's like driving there's an ice cream truck of some sort and there's like a mind the child uh like sticker on there or something like that so there's like repeated indications that she's pregnant with joker's child but it just never comes to fruition at any wow. point and like there's also a interesting uh you know the same way they have the hidden office in uh asylum to hint at city there's like a barge in the in in one of the docks of arkham uh city where there's like a sequence you use a sequence of gadget on one of the things there and you solve the code and the code i believe is city of terror which interesting the cloud burst from night that comes later on yeah um, i believe oh, wow. which is really cool i do think uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in this so a lot of people you know if you talk about the plots of these games a lot of the people talking about you know asylum then city and then night will talk about the things that specifically link all those games together but i yeah. think like the pregnancy test there are so many things that don't link to anything and it's very clear it, it feels like it kind of sets up this situation which rocksteady had the whole trilogy planned out from, from yeah. go and that's like absolutely not the case they just picked which loose threads they wanted to pull on when they were working on the next thing um and i honestly think that they picked a much more interesting way to have joker quote i'm doing air quotes dear listener uh <laughs> joker's <laughs> children uh in in arkham knight than just like him literally having a child mm. um which i guess well, we'll talk about one of the core like i've i know one of my favorite bits of arkham city trivia is like um steven was mentioning there's a lot of like cool ambient dialogue and there's one there's like a couple of goons that are around that will occasionally say stuff like did they have explain what the island was for and like they'll also say like oh why did it end in a church which is both things that happen yeah. in this game actually those are references to the tv show lost because uh, <laughs> oh yeah so like why did it take place on an island why did it end in a church paul dini was uh, uh in the first season of uh, lost working on on that series That's for tv so funny. which is why there's like a that line is in the games as well so he kind That's of amazing. like cross promoted lost and but i love the fact that it works within the context of yeah. Arkham City as well. That rules. Um, so like the other, other trivia, like uh, they wanted to do the Batmobile thing in City as well. Yeah. But they couldn't because like uh, a lot of tight alleyways, narrow alleyways, which is kind of similar in um, Night 
but by then they had the technology where if you could if you were driving the batmobile it would just crush all the buildings <laughs> so like they, <laughs> that was their solution like what if we just destroyed the buildings and made it batmobile sized yeah um i did yeah, see a so- quote from one of the de- i forget who it was but one of the developers said um when asked why they weren't including the batmobile in arkham city because it just seems like it should be there you know because it's a city and there are streets mm. um i think the response was something along the lines of like as soon as you put him in the car it's a different kind of video game mm. which i think really does inform a lot of the decisions in night i think a lot of the decisions that a lot of people didn't really enjoy about night uh which mm. i guess we can get into uh does anyone have any last thoughts about city before we move on oh, i think it's just phenomenal okay yeah it just yeah. it's really wonderful i'm i i think even getting to it this much later i think it still has the same like staying power with it yeah. it's definitely worth checking out it so holds up yeah mm. yeah absolutely useless bit of trivia that occasionally random trivia about these games pops into my head and some of it is like i love completely it. useless the perhaps the most useless one is at the start of the game where they're in a line um in going into a prison the person standing in front of bruce wayne is dead shot oh that's amazing <laughs> that rules <laughs> wow all I right love that. um do you guys want to take a quick break before we do night yeah i think mm-hmm. we should yeah that sounds good okay cool we will be back soon with more batman and calendar man <laughs> <laughs> do you mean julian gregory day <laughs> <laughs> good morning <laughs> your shtick is just the day okay <laughs> all right I'll talk to you soon I'm actually really excited to talk about this one. Me too. This is the like kind of dark horse of the trilogy, I think. Yeah. I, well, I mean, Origins, but... Oh, true. Yeah. Blackgate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about Blackgate. Yeah. That's an important, like, narratively, it's quite important. Yeah. M- Amanda Waller shows up in that again with uh, Rick Flagg to uh take away i think it's i think it's bane towards the end further setting up rocksteady suicide squad game so two studios that aren't in the rocksteady canon set up rocksteady's next game yeah what did black a come out on that was was that vita or was that psp vita yeah and it's it's not good yeah i remember it not being good i mean i bought every vita game and i did not buy that one (laughs) yeah because i was really excited for it because it was developed by armature which was the former metroid prime people I was like, oh shit, the people who made Metroid Prime are making a side-scrolling Batman Metroidvania? That's going to be a 10 out of 10. It was very much a 4 out of 10. Amazing. You want to you wanna get started? I think we are already started. We're talking about Batman Arkham Knight. <laughs> uh, it is a game that came out in 2015. Uh, I think most notably, honestly, it came out for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One generation of consoles. Um, also PC, which was uh, not a great release, if I recall correctly. I think there were a lot of issues with the PC port for this game initially, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's fine now, as far as I can now, tell. Now it's the best way to play that game. Is I it believe. really? Like, I know someone who played it recently and said it looks absolutely jaw-dropping with current tech that's awesome um, but at launch it was a massive massive deal that it was broken because it was also incredibly anticipated and yeah. like there were retailer complaints were happening in the uk as well i believe there was like an offcom like a regulatory body was contacted about how broken this game was oh man um it was rough yeah yeah and it really it really like colored the discussion around that game which is why i think in large part it's remembered as being a bad game when it is actually fantastic yeah 
Yeah, I was just about to say, I think I think a lot of the conversation around this game centers around the PC release being a mess and also a lot of people really not liking the Batmobile, despite asking for it forever. Right. Like the mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. the big thing about Arkham City was that the Batmobile wasn't in it. Everybody wanted the Batmobile in the next Batman game uh, because Rock City was taking so long between City and Night. They thought that the Batmobile would be in it and then it was announced it was going to be in the game is exciting um, and ended up being a more like Chris Nolan trilogy inspired tank. I think than like a mm. car you drove. And I think that by itself, along with all of the, the combat sections with that tank, um, I, I think colored a lot of people's um, opinions on this game when personally, very personally, I thought this was the best game. And I still kind of think this is the best game. I think to me, this is the culmination of everything mm. Rocksteady was trying to do. And then some, all the way down to, again, this being a next-gen game. This game came out in 2015. It was like a year or maybe two after the Xbox. It basically like a launch title for the new gen. Yeah, it was like, it was like yeah. a, I think a year out. I think it was like in yeah. what we would now call the launch window of, of uh, <laughs> games in a console's life cycle. And for real, still looks like one of the best games yeah, in the entirety of the generation from the beginning of it. I mean... It, we talked a little bit about Arkham City specifically being like, oh, wow, Rocksteady is really pushing the limits of what this hardware can do. They were doing that already with this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, this is also Kevin Conroy's favorite entry in the Arkham series. Hell so yeah. you're, you're standing amongst uh, legends there in your opinions. Yeah. You can kind of feel that, though. Uh, in in the vocal performance here, because I th- and I'll get more into that. Cause I, think, I think that I really like Knight, and I think in a lot of ways it is the best mechanically. Um, yeah. I think like you know the traversal mechanics are at their peak, gliding around and like that kind of like hearing the wind hit the wings as you like got a little bit longer than you would in City. It's always it's raining. Incredible. Yeah, <laughs> always yeah. raining. And this is like <laughs> I think I would maybe say like I don't know if this is the fruition of what Rock City was trying to do, but this is like very Nolan. Like this. This game feels significantly more Nolan inspired, like you kind of said with the Batmobile, but even in tone, like, yeah, and it's interesting that this game, I think the beginning is, is brilliant where it begins with you having to cremate the Joker, <laughs> like the Joker. <laughs> it, and I didn't even realize you had to like, I was, like, Oh, they're really lingering on this close up of dead Joker for like five minutes. <laughs> like, oh, okay. oh, I got to cremate him. Fine. But that like yeah. making you have to do that really puts you again in the mind of Batman. Mm-hmm. And this is like weird. This is my weird take on night. It's like, bat. I mean, this is probably not my only takes. The game is setting it up, but it's like weirdly Batman dealing with the loss of the Joker. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. As, and I think he's kind of loose. I mean, it goes into that literally later where like in his mind, there's like the Jekyll and Hyde Batman and Joker fighting over control. But even before they do that, like even just in Kevin, Con- uh, Kevin Conroy, right. And mm-hmm. Kevin Conroy's performance, you can tell Batman's like a little bit, a little bit on the edge of his normal morality, you know, like yeah. in city and in asylum, he's like, I'm a good guy who will find a vent to make sure that no one gets hurt. And here he's like, <laughs> I'll break every bone in your body. You know, it's like, he's a little bit less like he, he's, about as close to killing someone as he ever will and i think that this game does a great job of painting that desperate picture you mm. know like in asylum it's very personal and very 
contained and very small. And then it grows into City as like almost this like finale of Batman as you know him and of these villains as you know them. Mm. And and Night feels purposely empty in the beginning. It feels kind of sad. Like it's raining and it's effective. You know, it's it's like the, this is the end of things. It even says after you cremate the Joker, this is the death of Batman. Um, yeah. And there's this desperation in like now we're in Gotham but everyone has evacuated because you know Scarecrow shows up at a diner and is like who wants to get scared uh, <laughs> and everyone's like not me I'm out of here baby fun fact that diner scene at the start the first person you see the guy walking towards you that's the director of the Arkham series, Sefton Hill. Oh, like, that's amazing. That's so funny. You, you walk past him in the game, yeah. Great intro. All these games have incredible intros. They really know how to kick things off. And this game just really, I think, does a lot to separate itself from the other two. But it also does feel like the ending of a trilogy, which is always hard. I think most trilogies, like, the third one is always kind of the, the least well-received. It's, they have a lot of loose ends to tie up. But I think this game is kind of dealing with... You know, if, if if Asylum is like getting you into Batman and City is almost a celebration of Batman, this is saying goodbye in a lot of ways. Yeah. This is like leaving it all behind. Um, I do think that the Batmobile stuff is like, I actually really enjoy it. The, the battling other tanks is kind of anticlimactic. Like when other tanks show up, you know, it's, it's a little okay. But like as a traversal vehicle, it's a lot of fun. You know, like speeding through Gotham City in a Batmobile, like who wouldn't want to do that? And they yeah. do a good job with it. But yeah, they're like, I have to like shimmy on this narrow corridor to pull a thing down like uh, this is fine yeah you know, like, <laughs> that's that's i think honestly for all the for all the criticism of the batmobile in general the thing that i actually find the most like bummer adjacent in this game is that because you have the batmobile the moments when you have to like shimmy through a vent are less exciting because like oh just moments before i was speeding through the streets of gotham hitting the the fast and the furious nitrous boost and destroying a cafe by driving through it (laughs) on the way to the gotham city police station so i could interrogate poison ivy and then like later on i have to like kind of shimmy through a vent and like do the same thing i did in asylum yeah then i have to parallel park and open event yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Um, which is very silly, but I think also just to your point, like one of the, one of the more interesting things here is is this is the end narratively for the very silly thing that they did at the end of Asylum, right? Like Asylum ends with the Joker infecting himself with the Titan blood, and that has now rippled out all the way to this game where he's fucking dead, you know. But but in City, he also says like. Not only I, I I failed to mention this earlier, but he injects Batman with the serum. He injects Batman, sorry, with his own blood, thus infecting him with the Titan thing. So he had to find the serum. He had to find the antidote. But he also sent his own blood out to the Gotham City hospitals, so a bunch of other people would get blood transfusions with the Joker's blood. Which means that, and that's what I was talking about before with like this idea of Harley Quinn having a kid versus what Knight does. And what Knight does is it introduces jo- Joker's children via like a bunch of random people in Gotham who got blood transfusions. So you have a bunch of Jokers just kind of like in a holding cell elsewhere. And like, I'm, I'm sorry, dear listener, but I'm going to spoil this bit. But like, it ends with all of them dying, including the last one who is the least assuming Joker of all of them. Just this kind of like frail old guy who takes one look at Batman realizes that he still has some of the Joker blood in him and is like, you're going to be a way better Joker than me. And then shoots himself in the fucking head and dies. Mm. Is like, I don't need to exist if you exist and you're the Joker. That's way better than me being around. It's wild. One of the really cool things that 
a lot of people might miss because it's kind of gated behind technology is Arkham VR um, <laughs> is a direct setup for this game. Yeah. And it's really interesting because like that whole game is like, it basically feels like a tech demo, but you're investigating the death of, you know, I think it's Nightwing. Um, Whoa. Who dies? I believe it's Nightwing, yeah. And you're trying to figure out how he was killed and you're going around Gotham City and back to the Batcave or like a slices of Gotham City. And then it all ends in a cell where it's revealed to be a hallucination because of the fear toxin or the or the, uh, the um, Titan in you and the Joker blood in you. Oh, wow. And when you're looking in the mirror the last time, you you have always been seeing Batman. By one point, you look back and you see the Joker and he says, now we are one. So it's kind of like something along those lines where Whoa. to say that we're now the both person we're both the same person yeah and that's the setup for you becoming the joker in the next game and like seeing him constantly it's the kind of like psychological melding of the two characters yeah so if it's if you're playing if you're thinking about playing these games or you have played these games and you have access to a playstation vr and you can download arkham vr it's more than a tech demo um it does have like narrative hooks into these games and also it's also one of the best vr experiences i've ever had like being the batman like walking in front of a mirror and turning your head and seeing batman <laughs> staring back at you is a kind of like wish fulfillment that very few <laughs> things can give you like that's my killer app for vr it remains that that's, that's really incredible cool. yeah that reminds me when i was batman for halloween when i was three and i refused <laughs> to be called steven oh you had to call me batman <laughs> uh, my parents put up with a lot anyway just wanted to touch on that um what one of the things that i always look for in batman media specifically or honestly just in like any superhero media in general is just the idea of kind of interrogating what it means to be this person and i think knight nails it in a way that the other two games don't and it's why i hold this game to such a high standard tam you and i were just talking during the break a little bit about about city versus knight being the best in the trilogy and you said the city was your favorite knight is very much my favorite mm -hmm. um because i think it i think it asks a lot of questions about the relationship between batman and the joker that like a lot of other stories kind of allude to or are held on this pedestal for doing and i think knight kind of actually does one of the more interesting versions of this where when when batman doesn't have the joker around anymore who is he and it turns out he's just a person who's still haunted by the joker anyway um mm. i think one of the most effective things that this game does and it will be seared into my head forever is every once in a while as you grapple onto the gargoyles on the sides of buildings they'll have the joker's face for like a split second and then as soon as the you know as soon as the camera whips past that joker face gargoyle and you go back and look at it it's just a regular gargoyle again yeah. he is constantly haunted by the by the the uh vision of this dude that like fucked his life up it's it's in like it's it's again very kojima-esque it's in the world yeah. as well where you're like looking at a a, a one of the massive advertising billboards and it will have a joker style tint to it like aesthetic yeah. to it. it'll look like jokerish and then when your camera pans back to it or away from it it just switches back to normal and vice versa and like the constant the world reinforcing that you're slowly losing yourself to him is yeah. so good and there's like bits where you're like crawling through a vent and you'll turn and he's like jokers just jammed in there it's like hey buddy how's it going <laughs> but like his legs are like contorted trying to fit in there yeah but, like that's just so, so good. I think the reason I know a lot of people like narratively aren't super fans of this, but like I love the idea of other characters being used to reflect who you are back onto yourself Absolutely. so you can interrogate it. And one of my favorite games that does that is another maligned game in a, in a beloved series, Metal Gear Solid 2. Like 
I'm a huge Metal Gear fan, and the backlash that Raiden oh, got man. was I can't huge. nod harder than I am currently yeah, like, for this bit. Metal Gear yes. Solid 2, I think, is a masterpiece, like, in so many different ways. Like, prescient to the point of, like, terrifying. Like, it feels like he's got a, a <laughs> script for the modern world. Oh, my God. And it's incredible. I think it's well, Brendan like, is bowing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. But one of my favorite things that it does is... The first game, like, and at this point, it's been, like, uh, pulled apart by academics and laid bare for this. But, like, I feel like this is me saying, like, I was smarter than everyone else at the time. But the, I was constantly saying this to my friends and no one else was, like, agreeing with me. But, like, the magic of this game is it's the follow-up to a game where you play as a legendary super soldier that you absolutely love. How do you make that legendary super soldier even more amazing? You get to look at him through the eyes of yourself. Yes. And that's what Raiden is. Like when you see like Pliskin for the first time and you see Snake and you're like, that's what Snake looks like out to other people. And then you see him just doing boss shit out there, like just doing amazing thing every now and then popping up being like, yo, I'm going to take out this enemy for you. And then firing a shot and it's going and like being doing that scene where you're like, uh, I think it's Emma's walking across the struts and you're like snipering Claymore mines alongside snake. Who's on another like plant strut and he's doing the same with you. It's the coolest shit in video games ever. And you're like, oh my God, this is, inc- this is what it feels like to be battling alongside the great solid snake. Yeah. And then that's the best. That's the thing about like having Joker there with you constantly. He's just, he's just telling you who you are constantly and like right. tearing you down and forcing those introspective moments that Bat fans love. Like where, like Brennan said, like the interrogation of what Batman is having Batman's greatest nemesis do that to you really puts it into stark view what the deficiencies of Batman are and then the game doubles down on that by killing off or seemingly killing off key characters like Barbara Gordon when that moment happens that's the one of the moments where you're like am I the bad guy is Batman the bad guy like uh, I'm sure we're the people who like whenever someone's like oh actually Batman's a bad person because capitalism etc 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 and like police states and like I'm always always like no 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 Batman's a good person that was the first time where I was like is Batman the bad person am I like just generally a a kind of like a destructive force within this universe and the fact that it does that as well and leverages the Joker stuff telling you you're a bad person and you're nothing without him and also you're basically the same people. It's a masterstroke. Like, it's so good. Yeah. I it's reinforced, it. too, by the fact that Scarecrow is a central villain, but being that Scarecrow is the villain, his weaponry is, you know, making you confront your worst fears, which is what the game is doing. Right. So Scarecrow is almost more of just like an indirect threat because what he's doing is all the things you've been discussing. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Scarecrow's Scarecrow's power set in general or Scarecrow's power uh, as a whole as a character is the same thing that Batman's is both of them Mm. rely on fear to control others in a way Um, and Scarecrow is just using that for evil whereas you're trying to use it for good and then you have Joker who's like hey you you fucking lost it my guy and on top of all of that as if all of that wasn't enough interrogation of Batman as a character you have the Arkham Knight who is your evil reflection it's just Mm -hmm. you 
but bad. So you're you're yeah. fighting yourself on literally three different axes, internally, externally, and whatever is above all of that are all fighting you as as Batman. It's fucking brilliant as a setup. And like he like the Arkham Knight who is later revealed to be Jason Todd, you know, it, it, the really cool thing that like we talked about before is these games take existing things yeah. in the Batman universe and reinterpret them or present them as like another entry in the greatest hit hits of Batman and it does that with the killing joke and this and yeah. and death in the family so like death in the family is a huge huge arc in the Batman mythos where you know they killed off Jason Todd a notoriously disliked character as a Robin so they killed him off in the in in a way that was so horrifying that even people who didn't like him were like oh man that was maybe a bit much yeah, yeah that was messed up because they had like a DC did this thing where you could vote call in and vote for who you want to die and oh everyone God. picked Jason Todd and that is how he became that character well he doesn't become that character he becomes red hood in in yeah. traditional fiction but in this they it was jeff johns who worked on this with them like to help design the the arkham knight character but yeah it was like they they used um that kind of similar style to create the arkham knight so like him representing your biggest failure having the joker interrogating who you are having the scarecrow kind of fear toxin kind of like um you using you know the same kind of power pool to be who you are and then the ultimate ending which shows that for a certain lens like the nightfall ending shows that you learned nothing like, <laughs> through that entire thing the whole point of that game was you sh a villain showing you how you're the same and then the, the the final thing so the nightfall ending once you do everything is like wayne manor explodes and then there's a scene that is like an echo of crime and where a kid's about or like a, a couple are about to be killed and from the distance like a bat like figure appears and like but it's like the visual representation of the same way that you're overwhelmed by uh, scarecrow's fear toxin so it's basically saying bruce wayne is dead batman is now the only version of that character that exists bruce wayne has given himself into the batman the stupid thing he's done is he's using the villain's thing his villain's tool to do the batman <laughs> thing thus making him a villain within the in the universe yeah so he's made the mistake that joke has been telling him that he constantly makes again so it's like such a multi-level like deconstruction of batman that ultimately ends in the perpetuity of batman being a bit of a dumb dumb about himself <laughs> like, yeah. which i think like again is is like the the most exciting version of this character for a fan of this character right because like the mm. the conversations that you have as a batman fan in a bar constantly are these kinds of conversations like what would you do if you were given the reins like how would you deconstruct this character and build them back up um, and and Rocksteady just managed to do that. You know, they proved with Asylum how faithful they could be. They proved with City how much they knew about the deep lore. And then with Knight, it was literally about deconstructing Batman to his logical conclusion, which is that he becomes a fucking villain almost by trying to be a hero so badly, um, mm. which not to like extrapolate this out even further, because uh, I don't know where this is going to go. But like if you're talking about Suicide Squad and they're talking a whole lot about how each of the uh, members of the Justice League are going to be considered like raid bosses in a way, that version of Batman that exists in the Nightfall ending of Arkham Knight 
is a very good idea for a raid boss in a Suicide Squad video game. Uh, a Batman yeah. who has completely given himself over to this idea of the Batman and is using the fear toxin rips as a boss fight. Mm. So I'm excited for that, maybe. Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's a lot to love in this game. And we talked about, like, the side stuff in Arkham City. I think, like, the most wanted stuff in this game is also great. Um, maybe not as good or, like, as focused as the ones in um, Arkham City, but... There's a lot in there. What like one that specifically stands out to me is Creature of the Night. I love the man bat. Yeah, man. Thing in this game. That's one of my favorite. Like when you're grappling up to the thing, <laughs> uh, to the to the roof, and you think you're just gonna hop over that roof, and instead the man bat comes like takes a swipe at you, and then you follow that whole like um, Robert Langstrom kind of like quest line. So so good. Um, and like another piece of fun fact trivia. Um. I think that um, Man Bat is voiced by Lauren Lester, who voiced Robin and Nightwing in the animated series. Oh, cool. They brought him back into the fold as well, um, which is just incredible. But like, there's so many side missions in in that kind of like um, that game, like the two the two-faced bandit stuff and there's creature of the night is obviously the easy one but like the wonderland stuff as well mm -hmm. that came in in the infamy infamy dlc i think the main weak link in in this is riddler like the riddler stuff is and the reason it's kind of a weak link is one the riddles are tedious and two like it's tied some of his like actual main missions are tied into driving on racetracks which yeah. is why I feel like the, the one-two punch of why people hate the Batmobile. I know we talked about it previously, but I love the Batmobile. Like, the, the, the makes you a force of nature driving around. Yeah. It enables way better, like, grappling and flight. When you launch yourself out of the Batmobile... It rips, yeah. Fucking rules. And, you, and the so fact good. that that's one of the upgrade trees, too, is how high can you shoot yourself yeah. out of the Batmobile is yeah. so funny. And there's so much, like, I spent <laughs> so long doing the... Because you press the button, L1 or whatever it may be, to summon the Batmobile. And then the seamlessness at which you can leave and enter so good and like the pathing on it i have one of my favorite moments in this game i have a youtube video of it, of it up on my, my youtube page which is i don't really use so don't go and find it i'll just describe it um but like <laughs> it's like a perfect moment in batman fiction and also the way it leverages the batmobile is i was walking doing one of those missions where it was like um pull out the the thing and like use the uh the weird like line launcher thing on the batmobile to mm -hmm. do it but like my batmobile wasn't there i was just walking towards the point that i needed to do it this ar car full of armed goons come by and tries to run me over so like as they speed past one of the goons shouts your roadkill batman and like they miss and they like they swerve they jump out the car and i kept my eye on the one that said it <laughs> so like i was fi i fight through them there's like maybe five of them. I beat three of them and then I summoned the Batmobile. And then I fight the fourth one, knock that guy out. The final one, the one that said your roadkill Batman starts running towards me. As he goes to hit me, the Batmobile comes spinning around the corner, just comes right towards me, stops right in front of him. And when anyone's close to the Batmobile, enemy shocks them. It shocks him, launches him across the road. This dude who came careening around the corner shouting your roadkill Batman ends by being roadkill at the like hands of my, <laughs> of my Batmobile vehicle. It's beautiful. Which, and, all I, and like, and I'm just standing there the entire time because I know it's going to happen. And I was like, this is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. This is destiny. And it happened. And I <laughs> swear to God, like 
it was I was about to cry with how perfect that moment was. <laughs> it was just so good. Like the sense of overwhelming, like awesome yeah. Batman feelings I got of it. And like that is why to the day I die, I will defend the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I think it also going back to the narrative, I think it aids the sense that Batman has become more reckless and a little bit more like headstrong. The fact that like even if you're a careful driver, you're gonna destroy half of Gotham real estate mm-hmm. by just like <laughs> getting to the next destination. I think I think adds to that intense feeling yeah i mean i think i i think it's really cool and i think it's cool in moments like that the only the only thing i bump against is the like fight other cars part of it because then it mm. makes it feel less exciting but it's fine it's not it's serviceable it's not as it's not as up to par with the rest of the game yeah, yeah. a lot of this game was built around the batmobile a lot of the a lot of the conception of this game came from rocksteady saying like okay a lot of people want the batmobile in this game what does a batman game look like if the batmobile is available um, which I think like works in some instances and doesn't work in others. I think this is the one game of the three that has the weakest start, uh, specifically yeah. because of what happens as soon as you have the Batmobile. Um, mm. I think it's like a huge bummer when you start the game and you end up, I don't even, I think it's Ace Chemicals. I think you end up at Ace Chemicals, uh, and you have the Batmobile and you have to go into tank mode and like almost as if you were just Batman out of the Batmobile, like solve puzzles and like use the, the winch to, electrocute some things and pull some walls Mm. down and stuff like that it is like easily the weakest part of the whole game for me and i understand why that would sour a lot of people on the game and the batmobile uh in the process um because it it is it just feels not as well thought out as the rest of the game does um unfortunately and fortunately that bit ends with you being behind the plexiglass trying to say poison ivy where you first meet the arkham knight who's like i know every move you're gonna make motherfucker i'm gonna Mm. kill you dead in gotham streets which is a great moment um but unfortunately is preceded by like maybe an entire hour of needing to play in the batmobile instead of like maybe a hybrid of both which i think would have made people feel a little bit better about the back and forth. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment specifically, it feels like the Batmobile is another one of your tools rather than this like big thing that it feels like in other parts of the game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's I think that's the big thing is it should feel like another gadget that you have, not like it's your only option. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I like that they they bring back Firefly. Another connection to Origins. The Firefly fights are great in that game. Yeah, that's one of the situations where I really like the Batmobile, like the sense of speed and the feeling like he's almost in reach every single time. And then when you get there, you get him by launching yourself out of the Batmobile at him to like tackle him out of the air. Um, The Firefly is also in Origins and the, the stuff that he does in that is also a lot of fun. You get to fight him more directly. But yeah, that's another situation where I really, really liked the the kind of implementation of the Batmobile. Yeah. I do think um, one of the things that this game does brilliantly, as opposed to City even, which was already doing a really good job, is the traversal. I think the traversal in this game is like... Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're talking about superhero games and traversal in open worlds, there's like, the, there's like Spider-Man 2 and Marvel Spider-Man and this game honestly because the ability to grapple to a thing sorry grapnel as it's called in this game (laughs) you can grapnel to a thing and then double tap uh x or a depending on your platform and uh it kind of like launches you into the air just makes the active traversal so much more freeing and so much more fun and the fact that that also is an upgrade tree that allows you to shoot yourself higher into the air as soon as you launch if you lock onto the side of a building double tap a and then shoot yourself into the air 
uh you can you can soar over like an entire mile of gotham city it is it is wish fulfillment to the nth degree i i love moving around the world in this game because you could do that or you could drive in the batmobile whatever one feels the most fun (laughs) to you is the one that you can do and they both will get you to the place fast enough or fun in a fun enough manner uh where they're both worth doing um uh i love this game so much i think it's so good it's so good yeah I I I think like it is the best playing of the bunch. Um I think so, yeah. For sure. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, I I I love it. And there's so much more like we talk about the world stuff again like bringing in Barbara, the clock tower, mm-hmm. the kind of stuff like that. Uh the the um the actual statue that you use to gain access to the computers and that kind of stuff. Um it's modeled after the one that they use in the 60s TV show. Um cool. so it's a nice little nod to that as well. But yeah, like the the more active role from like um Commissioner Gordon and and like various supporting members of the cast like walking through GCPD. Yeah. So cool and then you come back out and like the cops are like trying to take pictures of or looking at the yeah, Batmobile trying selfies to figure with the Batmobile. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's just like the coolest like, shit, shit. Shit, 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 he's here, he's here, he's here. Yeah, get away, yeah, get away, yeah. get away. <laughs> and like that moment where you're walking through and like someone in the cell is like giving it like the bigger and like giving you shit and you just like grab him and pull him to the thing and knock him out and everyone's like, oh, yeah. let's be chill. Batman's still a threat. <laughs> he's not messing around. Yeah. And like I, the stuff towards like um, bringing in Nightwing and mm-hmm. and kind of like starting to build those peop- those characters as their own kind of entities before they ultimately lead into the DLC where you play as these characters and I think like that is also kind of setting up the foundation for you know the Gotham Knights stuff that's happening a lot of the goodwill and excitement people have towards those characters are because of what happens in this game yeah and such such a clever clever kind of like way to again like both of these sides of these kind of like a franchise the origin side and the developers not recognizing the rocksteady side and vice versa (laughs) fascinating when ultimately it all kind of merges together just the teams are just not recognizing it and saying it is the case yeah but like i think it's like incredibly underrated as a game i feel like people who like maybe have written it off back then should go back to it and i think totally agree yeah it's fascinating because like the games that people hold up as the worst or the weakest entries in this game in this franchise as a whole including wb and rock city are also the games that are worth going back to and playing the most i feel like it's going back to play origins is i think super smart thing to do because it has so much to give and doing the same for arkham knight is 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 like highly recommended because it's such a fascinating game when you detach it and divorce it from the drama that was around it at the time yeah i think i really want to go and find a way to play origins but i totally agree with you I mean, this is a game that was like much maligned when it came out, but I highly, highly recommend going back and playing it. And I think the, I mean, look, I already had a propensity, propensity, I don't know. Propensity? Yeah, I was going to love this game regardless, uh, going back and playing it. But honestly, getting the Return to Arkham trilogy bundle and going and playing these games again, I, I started by playing the first hour of all three and i played the first hour of asylum and then i was like okay that was pretty good and then i played the first hour of city and i was like okay that's pretty good and then i played the first hour of night and i immediately played like five more hours of night it just sucked me in in a way that the other two didn't uh and i and i had to keep going i think this game really is like everything that's great about asylum everything that's great about city uh all mashed together uh and then expanded upon 
I, I love that you lo- you're glowing, by the way. Like, we talk about games we love on this show. I've never seen you this, like, genuinely happy. <laughs> you're, like, pure light. Um, I love this game. I, I mean, the fact, like, all, going back to, Steven, <laughs> Steven, this okay. goes all the way back to the, the website that you and I tried to start, like, years and years ago. Uh-huh. Um, we... For context, Steve and I tried to start a video game website years and years ago after leaving another video game site that we were writing for. And the first stream that we did for that website was Arkham Knight. The day it came out was like so exciting. Like, oh, my God, this game's coming out. Here's the first stream we're going to do because we weren't allowed to do streams at the other website. So Mm -hmm. we were excited to do a stream and it was Arkham Knight and it was like immediately mind blowing. So I just have such a fondness for this thing. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad it's coming through. I was in in my only have a 3DS fit during that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, you want to play Smash or what? Um, yeah, I uh, I only, like, I don't want to I don't want to deter from your enthusiasm, because I agree. I think this game is great, and I think you both said like, this is super worth checking out. I think the reason it may not have been as lauded at the time is because, like, you've got Arkham Asylum proving that a superhero game could be good, like, overall, yeah. you know? And not tied to a film. Right. Yeah. And then City, like, won up to that. So I think the, the stakes were a lot higher for this. And I think, like, I also think just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was just less enthusiasm for the start of the PS4 and the Xbox One than, like, other consoles, you know? Like, I feel like a game that came out around the beginning of that era... And maybe this is just heavily Steven who just had a 3DS until 2016 energy coming through. <laughs> but either way, I think that Night is just very different. I think that it definitely mm-hmm. follows up on a lot of concepts from the first two. Yeah. But I think in tone and I think in execution, it really kind of is its own game. So it kind of hits both those notes of like, it is a very satisfying and, and fascinating end to a trilogy. And if we're, look, if we're talking about trilogies, probably one of the more successful third entries in like any trilogy, yeah. <laughs> you know, in media, uh, but specifically media. video games. Yeah. I agree yeah. Mm-hmm. But specifically video games. Um, I just think that like, I could see someone really enjoying the, a little bit campier tone of asylum city and maybe being not as into like the much more serious version of, of, of night. But I do think it's an incredible game. And again, like visually it's it's still stunning it looks better than some games that came out recently on ps4 and i think in terms of like what you can do what you can explore with the character at the third entry in a trilogy of a character who has already been explored in seemingly every way possible and come out the other end with something new and fresh incredible so yeah i i would also highly recommend it yeah uh fun fact uh one of the uh islands uh in arkham knight is called oh Founders Island, and within that, there's a district called Otisburg. Um, that's a reference to the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, where there's a character cool. called Otis who claims uh, like a part of California as his own after uh, Lex Luthor's plan to like sink some of it or some shit like that. But there's a cool Superman reference in there as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I really need whatever the next Batman game is to have a Bloodborne-esque loading screen where, Tam, you just give these fun facts <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> while you're waiting for the next thing to come in. I would like genuinely love that more than just anything. Just my face appears. Like, yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> that's me again. But it's always live, so I just can never switch off. <laughs> you're, you're on call. It's yeah. not people. Recorded. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, so, yeah, Tam has Max Headroom just constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's How is that the first ever Max Headroom? reference on this podcast I, I was like I, I was punched in the gut by your just like low-key max headroom reference <laughs> as you pour yourself another glass of wine you can't just lay that up and expect no follow-up should we uh should we move on to questions yeah, yeah. let's do that a lot of you sent us listener questions 
uh, thank you first and foremost, and we're going to answer them. All right. So I want to, <laughs> I have a list right here. <laughs> you like the way I did that? I did. Uh, we got a few questions on Twitter and in the discord, and I'm just going to go through them. Uh, so thank you all. And we're going to kick off with Walla Pratt on Twitter asks, who is your favorite rogues gallery member? Also, which Robin is the best Robin? Love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'll add to that too. Uh, E.T. Gers on Twitter also asked best Robin and why is it obviously Tim? Ooh. So there's a lot of a lot of Robin questions happening. Sorry, E.T. Gers in advance. Wow. Uh, We're not Tim stands here. I, I'm not. Um, my favorite has always been Dick Grayson. Uh, nice. He's the first. Uh, he also became Nightwing. Uh, Nightwing is personally one of my favorite batman like characters just in the in the realm of batman here's the thing about about dick grayson that i find fascinating is he is just batman but like cool and with it and gets it you know what i mean like he's batman but like also a normal dude um which i think adds a whole new flavor to what's going on with the batman story so like you could read a batman story but you're always going to have this twinge of like bruce wayne has a ton of like personal trauma and heartache and 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 wild shit that he's dealing with dick grayson just like loves being kind of like batman Hmm. um but he also has like the teen high school drama going on on the side he's just like a normal dude he's almost as if you like blended bruce wayne and peter parker together and you came out the other end just like with a regular guy who has all of batman's like understanding of how to be a detective and a crime fighter um and and that has always made him my favorite um i'm gonna need to think about the the rogues gallery stuff first though okay i'll say while you think about that yeah i think the the Robin I love is because everything you said about Dick Grayson there, he's the opposite. My favorite Robin is Damien Wayne. Hell yeah. Which is, he is Batman if Batman was very full of himself <laughs> and, and, and basically knew there was no one that could stop him. And he is, in most scenarios, the apex predator, the fastest, smartest person in the room. Yeah. And he's a little shit about it. Yeah. Like he's got, that's what I love about the... I think Damian Wayne has a really interesting dynamic with every member of the rest of the Bat family. So Damian Wayne, for people who don't know, he's the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul. Um, and he, he believes himself to be the heir to the Batman name and the Bruce Wayne name. He lived his life being trained by the League of Assassins to kill his father, but eventually decided he wanted to be with his father and like left her, the League of Assassins and his mother to take up, you know, the Robin mantle alongside his dad. But he thinks automatically from day one, he's better than every other person in the Bat family and he wants everyone to know it. Yeah. He's so cocksure of himself. He's so confident and like his dad needs to keep him in check. And the thing that's really frustrating for a lot of other members of the Bat family is in most cases he's right like he is better than a lot of them he is like smart as smart almost as bruce the things that trip him up is his arrogance and his the fact that he is also a kid so like (laughs) and like the reason the kind of defense mechanism that the rest of the family have is the fact that he's a child so they will constantly take the piss out of him for being a short child and like mock him for being that and it makes his like little like ego just fire up way more and i love the constant dynamic that he has one of my favorite runs of batman is i think it's grant morrison um when batman is 
believed to be dead and gone. And so Dick Grayson becomes the Batman. Yeah. And Damian Wayne is his Robin. So that is one of my favorite, uh, one of the most interesting Batman and Robin dynamics that exists because it's they hate each other from the outset. They teach each other what it means to be Batman and Robin because they also, they like, you know, Dick Grayson knows what a Robin should be and Damian Wayne has idolized Batman as a figure and they show each other how that happens and they go from hating each other to when Batman reappears, Bruce Wayne reappears, they basically express a love for each other and they become like brothers they understand each other of all the people in the bat family the person who gets brew uh, gets damien the most is dick and the person who gets or respects dick the most is damien yeah and so like they find that shared interest and that shared kind of like closeness of bond and it makes them it's like one of the best batman and robin scenarios that can exist and it's a lot because of like Grant Morrison's. Yeah, I was just about to say, kind of big Grant Morrison heady idea yeah. to pair those yeah. two together yeah. and have that be actually maybe the best way to explore both characters. It's so good, and like it's kind of like why I was slightly disappointed when Gotham Knights was revealed and Damian Wayne wasn't the Robin mm. in that game. I would have loved to have that dynamic in the game, but yeah, Damian Wayne definitely my favorite Robin. Yeah, Stephen, do you have an answer for this one, or do you want to do you want to jump off with your favorite Rogues Gallery villain? Uh, well, I'll give you a quick one for Robin, which is Damian Wayne only because he's in the Teen Titans, which I know about. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm a big Teen Titans fan, so I, I like him in that. I think he's yeah. the Robin in that. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know if he uh, is, but I mean, that's a great reason regardless. Whoever is in the Teen Titans is your favorite one. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite one. Uh, Rogues Gallery, I know a little bit more about. Um, I would say... I do really like Mr. Freeze because Mr. Freeze has the capability of either being like a very funny, ridiculous villain like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or you could go the tragic route, which a lot of people have done and like kind of make him this this tragic villain that he often is. Yeah. If you haven't watched Sub-Zero, the animated series film, uh, definitely, definitely watch Sub-Zero because it is a great. Not Batman and Robin? (laughs) No, not Batman and Robin. (laughs) Uh, just a great exploration of Mr. Freeze as a character. Hot of Ice yeah. or Sub Zero? Um, is it Heart of Ice think, I'm thinking of? I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, the animated series one is Heart of Ice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also really like Scarecrow, but I think as we kind of explored with Knight, he's more like he's less interesting than what his like tools are doing. You know, I feel like he is kind of inherently more about who his victims are than who he is. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, Mr. Freeze would be mine. I, I also like Mr. Freeze. And like, if you, any sort of like Mr. Freeze story is, I have a soft spot of, for it because of like um Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero and also Heart of Ice, the episode. Um, yeah, such a good character. But like, I'm going to be boring and say the Joker. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes you got to play the hits. I think yeah. there's, there's a reason why this trilogy of games focus so much on the Joker and his kind of like both parasitical and symbiotic relationship with Batman. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's the, I mean, he's the complete, it's been said before and like, and it's probably why you thought you were being basic, but like he's just this random person with no abilities or tools that is able to be the cosmic opposite of this, you know, billionaire with a million gadgets <laughs> that makes him. And I think I, I want to say this because I don't think it's going to come from the questions, but like I, I obviously don't know as much as Batman as you two, but like 
I do love DC and I think I like Batman the most when he's amongst the Justice League. Like him totally. being the kind of like Wolverine of the Justice League is so much more fascinating to me. Like how is this guy on par with the gods and goddesses of the Justice League? Um, and that's, I think, what makes him really fascinating. Um, yeah. Whereas amongst the villains, he's like clearly a step ahead. The villains are all something has gone wrong for all the villains. You know, yeah. they're all they're all kind, of, and that's what makes them kind of tragic is they're all victims of something. But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. This is your you were saying the joke, right? Totally. No, no, no. I 100 percent agree with that. And I think yeah. that my jumping off point is like I do love the Joker, but like picking up something on what you said there. Like the reason I love Batman in Justice League scenarios is. In every, because of the nature of Justice League um, stories, they are they they need to be like world-ending things. Like, and if you think about it, Batman is ill-equipped for every single one of those scenarios. <laughs> like, he should not. He could, should not be in space. There's yeah. no reason for that man to be in space. So, like, one of my favorite, like, Batman, Batman, like, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be in most of these, like, he's in a, in a team where Superman exists and Wonder Woman exists. He's clearly the odd one out, but right. that becomes his MO. That becomes everything. Like, he needs to prove why he's actually the linchpin to this team. And it's always so good when it happens. So yeah. I love it when he faces threats that are clearly out, like, out of his league. So, like, one of my favorite, I've mentioned it a few times, Grant Morrison, like, one of my favorite moments and that is when he goes up against dark side and like he's hit by dark side's omega sanction which is like the whole thing is like what that does to him is it erases his existence and moves him in the timeline to like the caveman days where like <laughs> and then the entire story becomes batman figuring out of a way to guarantee his existence in various eras of human cycle from the very beginning so that all the bat mythology exists so like the first cave etching in that run is of a bat and it means that because that. of the knock-on effect time and history will play out so that he is born and batman exists that is ridiculous yeah and it's so good like when i read that i was like this is this is the most insane shit and i love it so like i love it when he fights villains that are just beyond him and like it leads to the moment where dark side realizes that using his omega sanction like has failed so the omega sanction is this beam that is designed to like always lock in on a target and always work it there's no defense against it so like batman is basically the first person to ever defeat the omega sanction yeah and you're like it's like squirrel girl killing thanos like it's yeah, like that level it's that level yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly you're like that you're completely ill-equipped for this and yet he'll still do it yeah so like in the rogues gallery joker because of everything steven said but like give me any villain i love it when he brings down like a god and it's like just a man in a suit with loads of money good shit yeah <laughs> um totally sorry just to correct myself uh squirrel girl killing deadpool is what i meant um uh deadpool but like squirrel girl makes friends with galactus right yeah she convinces him not yep. to do his evil thing by like giving him food or some shit like that i can't yeah. remember but it was um, incredible <laughs> Anyway, yeah, uh, my my I think two answers. Number one, um, just be just to like steer clear of the Joker is Bane, uh, the comic book version of Bane specifically. The thing that is so wild about Bane that I think is lost in a lot of versions of Bane that exist like outside of the comics is that he's a fucking brilliant dude. He is like as smart as Bruce Wayne in a lot of instances and is way stronger than Bruce Wayne in a lot of instances. Um, which means he can totally 
kick Batman's ass. So it's like literally just a character that was created to be smarter and stronger than Batman and see how Batman can make his way out of it. And there are versions of Bane in media that are really awesome. Um, I've seen some videos of Bane in Arkham Origins specifically that seems like they like totally got his whole shtick. Um, yeah. Which rules. Um, he's he's a little... He's smarter than every other version of Bane in this franchise. Yeah. Um, he's not like... They don't show him to be a genius, like in the same way that they do in the comics. Yeah. He's just a little smarter in the way that he is a tactician. Um, yeah. yeah. So he's, it's a good representation of him in Origins. My, my other like weird kind of Batman opinion is that I think Dark Knight Rises is way better than a lot of people think it is uh i like that version of bane a whole lot i think that that version of bane is really really interesting and also kind of like nails an interesting representation of that character anyway uh my actual answer also is the joker uh and it's purely from like (laughs) yeah it's purely from just like a kind of like nerdy standpoint where i just love to see a character that is the diametric opposite of another um, I love to see a character that is that is that exists purely as a way to interrogate what the original character is, uh, mm. which fucking rules. And honestly, like to give a little bit of personal insight, a lot of my uh, a lot of my time when I'm like doing creative work um, that is purely for me, not for release, not for anything, purely for me. I have a ton of notes that exist on my phone and on my computer that are just me thinking of who is the Joker of X hero um because i'm just so curious about that i mean the joker is like a character it's just a character that that exists solely on his own and is not matched by any other character in any rogues gallery of any other superhero um Mm -hmm. and and you know again i work for marvel i understand the implications of what i'm saying this is just my opinion this is not the opinion of marvel (laughs) but i i really do think that like the joker is the best villain that could exist for any superhero and and it is an interesting thought process to consider why there isn't a Joker for a character like Spider-Man or why there isn't a Joker for the Green Lantern or Superman mm. or whoever. Um, I think that that's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. And the fact that they not only nailed it uh, immediately, but that nobody else has figured it out is a testament mm. to how strong that writing is. Um, or and how strong the inception of that character has been. I will say, to give Marvel a little love, um, I feel like Magneto works as a foil for um, yes. Xavier. Totally, and totally. I think that, that, that is a great, great pairing. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you can even argue, like, I mean, there are some cases where <clears throat> Magneto isn't straight-up villain, but I tell you, in terms of diametric opposites, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, Tam, when you read House of X and Powers of Ten, you will very much yeah. feel that about Magneto. Yeah, the 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 from the little I read, the presence of Magneto was quite a jarring. Like Ugh. after being away from X Men for a little while, coming back to see him just hanging out and chilling. Oh like, yeah, with in, his, them, in like, his all white suit. Oh yeah, Ugh. he's baller. Oh my Incredible. god, he's so good. Yeah. I think Magneto is one of the coolest characters in comics. Like he's agree, such yeah. an awesome. I love characters that float slightly off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> It's angelic. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like, so I play a lot of Overwatch and there's a character called Sigma. Yeah. And I, I... I call him Magneto. My, all my call-outs for him are Magneto <laughs> because he floats slightly off the ground um, and, like, he has that same kind of aura around him. And so, like, whenever we're playing... And, like, all my friend circles, when we now call him Magneto. So it's like Magneto for on point, on point Magneto. <laughs> like, yes. And anyone who plays with us is like, who the hell is Magneto? And why are you playing Magneto? <laughs> what DLC did yeah. I miss? Yeah. yeah. 
Amazing. We'll move on to the next one if that works for you guys. Yeah, please. Uh, Walla Pratt, a follow-up question. Uh, this should be a quick one, or who knows with us. Where do you fall on the scale of tiny ears, Batman, to literal antenna-eyed <laughs> ears, Batman? <laughs> I say short ears. I like short ear Batman, like short personally. Yeah. I feel like it, it's kind of like, uh, it's going to be an incredibly niche reference, but gone in um, Hunter. Hunter, um, the more powerful he gets, the the longer his hair grows. Oh my God. Um, kind of like Bayonetta as well, but like I feel like early era... Uh, kind of um, just fresh off, uh, fresh into the game, Batman. I like small ears, but like as he gets more and more, like more powerful and confident, I like the ears to get a little longer. There's a limit to it, and like I'll I'll accept like ridiculously long ears when the whole shtick is like he's trying to dominate by fear because then it creates this long shadow um i don't like it like i don't like seeing long ears in live action either like if it's drawn Mm. then i'm up for it otherwise like long ear just seems weird in like an actual created suit yeah i do find that the tim burton batman costume specifically has ears that are maybe a little bit too long for me in a lot of instances but in comics specifically the long ears tend to work when used to like incredible uh, visual effect. I think there are a lot of instances in which really long ears work in the comics world where they don't work as much when you translate that to live action or video games. Mm-hmm. So like I hate I hate to be like the the boring answer here, but it's like medium ears are the good ears. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a dark victory, for example, has like long ears, but it's like they're medium ears and then like they fold in slightly. Yeah. And that that makes them long. So like you can stylize them in a way to make them long, but still look good. Just straight up like long ears is no good. Very silly. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it looks like a light bulb without the glass. Yeah. (laughs) In the picture that that question on Twitter. uh, Thank you, Walla Pratt, for both of those. Those are great. Um the picture he used as reference was uh, the long ears was a shadow. So like you both said, like mm. that's effective when it's a silhouette, yeah. but not as much when he's like walking around and asking Gordon questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> are these ears too long? I can't fit into a bed <laughs> with these ears. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, Scrosif on Twitter says, hello, your recent conversation about year one and the long Halloween, uh, which <laughs> it's worth noting when that came up, the episode wasn't at all about Batman. <laughs> I think someone just asked us about, oh, it was Kyle asked us about Schumacher, like how we felt about those movies. And that led to that. But anyway, your recent conversation about year one in the long Halloween inspired me to get into the comics. Amazing. That's really flattering. Uh, reading year one now and loving it. My question is, what other comics do you recommend? I prefer if I can buy them in graphic novel format, if possible. I'm assuming you mean uh, Batman, but I might throw some other comics in because uh, I know more about other comics. <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave the floor to you two. So if, if they've read Year One and Long Halloween, um, what other comics would you recommend for Batman specifically? I do. I do want to note right off the bat that uh, it's what other comics and not what other Batman comics, which mm. I think is well, going that's to, what I just said. Yeah, yeah. it's going to form I, yeah. a lot of my. I just want to. I just want to make that doubly clear because it's going to form a lot of my response. <laughs> okay. Um, because Tam just mentioned Dark Victory, which is like the obvious place to go right after Long Halloween. Uh, Dark Victory is a direct sequel to Long Halloween uh, and is great. But because I will never get the chance to talk about Superman because there are no Superman video games, I will talk about Superman briefly. Superman is 
maybe one of my favorite superheroes, maybe my favorite superhero, was not for a very long time because I thought he was very silly. My thought about Superman was always like he is a character that existed way too long ago, does not fit in the 21st century uh, world of storytelling because the only thing that can kill him is kryptonite and that doesn't make any sense. Um, A lot of really smart writers have figured out ways to make Superman very interesting. Um, And I think one of those writers is Kurt Busiek, who has written, I think, what is my favorite graphic novel of all time. I mean, it was a series, but it is now bundled up as a graphic novel. It's my favorite graphic novel of all time. It's called Superman's Secret Identity. Uh, It is a story about a kid in Kansas who is named Clark Kent, who uh, hates Superman. His parents and his family and friends constantly give him shit for being named Clark Kent uh, for his birthday every year. They give him Superman paraphernalia, Uh, And he is like, I hate this. I don't like Superman. I don't want to be named the same name as Superman. This sucks. And he goes and runs away uh, one night on his birthday and goes camping out in the woods in the wilderness in in Kansas uh, and wakes up in the middle of the night and is floating 30 feet off the ground. And he's like, ah, shit, I'm Superman. (laughs) This sucks. I have all of Superman's powers. I'm invincible. I have superhuman strength. I have laser vision. All of those things. Um, and it is an incredible, it is an incredible breakdown of Superman as a character, as, as an ideology, why he works in this modern era. It is an understanding of Superman that is like far beyond a lot of what you've seen in a lot of media since. Um, I cannot recommend Superman's Secret Identity enough. It is my favorite comic book ever. And the reason I bring it up now in this answer to this question is that there is a sequel that just finished this year also by Kurt Busiek, that's called uh, Batman Creature of the Night, which is a similar exploration of Batman uh, about a kid from Boston who's named Bruce Wainwright, who loves Batman comics uh, and wakes up in the middle of the night to find that there is a dark specter being that is shaped like Batman that is solving crimes on behalf of him. Uh, And it's about his pseudo control or not control of this like dark shadowy being that exists as Batman. It is fascinating. It is so interesting. So uh, I can't recommend those two enough. Uh, Superman Secret Identity, Batman Creature of the Night, both incredible comics to check out. But if you just want a sequel to the thing you just read, Batman Dark Victory is the way to go. Period. Mm. End, end of bit. Yeah. I think I can probably rattle off the kind of... There's Whenever you whenever you do like uh, Batman recommendations, there's like this best hits that everyone always recommends, which is like year one, Killing Joke, Long Halloween... Court of Owls, if you want something serious, uh, recent. Yeah. Um, Arkham Asylum, um, Black and White, and that kind of stuff. But there's a few, like, might might be, like, a different kind of pace. Like, Gotham Central is one that I really like. It's a bunch of... Yeah. Um, kind of, like, it's like a bunch of trades, but it's it focused on the GCPD. Batman exists in the universe, but it's, like, Law and Order Gotham, um, which is really fascinating. Like, just a bunch of standard, everyday cops having to do their jobs in a world where villains and, and Batman exist. That one's really cool to check out. Um, like I said, Court of Owls recent. Um, Kingdom Come is another one that's not just Batman, but it's a little bit more like team based and but it's like way in the future everyone's old as fuck and they have to do this <laughs> shit once again i um, love kingdom come yeah, yeah that's gonna be mine yeah yeah incredible artwork um dark knight returns obviously seminal and like influential um incredible like one of the greatest graphic novels ever created 
what else is there? There's uh, Dark Victory got mentioned already. There's this is kind of a weird one, but it kind of tangentially relates. There's one called Dark Knight without a K. It's N I G H two. A true a true Batman story. So this is written by Paul Dini who wrote the animated series and worked on the Arkham um, games, a bunch of them. And it's a story about a traumatic experience in Paul Dini's own life. I believe oh, wow. the, I believe the, it's not like a heavy read. It's like a thin book, but it's about his, his life and growing up and, and like how he felt different and that kind of stuff. And it culminates in a event where he was attacked on the way home one night from work and the recovery process and how the idea of Batman got him through his trauma and how it wow. helped him on the path to recovery. And the reason I recommend that is because it's a true story from someone who understands Batman in a way that few of us can hope to. And it also explores the importance of Batman and why he means so much to people as a character and the power that believing in a character like Batman can give you. And it relates to me in my own personal life. And the reason Batman made is so important to me is there was a period in my life where I was, you know, struggling in life and, and you know, it, it was it was manifesting in the way I existed, like my habits, my physical form. I was incredibly unhealthy. Like doctor, a doctor was telling me that I was on a one way trip to my deathbed because of the way I was treating and eating and dieting. And, and like it reached a point where, I got into, I was into Batman because the animated series, but I really got into Batman. And the way I pulled myself out of that hole was I'd ask myself a a simple question, which is what would Bruce Wayne do? What would Batman Mm. do? And with that question, like guiding my every day, I got to a situation where I was eating better. I dragged myself out of depression because of that question and turned my life around. And it's very much the reason I am doing what I do now. It gave me the strength to chase a dream. And even if it seemed like impossible. And so that question, what would Batman do is like what drove me forward. And it taught me the importance of Batman. And this is a comic book, a graphic novel that is from someone who understands Batman in a way that I can never understand it, understand him. But it shows that again, why Batman is so important to people so i feel like that's a great great book to read yeah wow thank you for sharing that that that's really meaningful and i mean that's also like best case scenario of what a superhero can do for people that's why we like superheroes it's like what you know in in moments in our own lives where where we feel powerless you can feel empowered and literally take action for yourself Mm. that's incredible um how do I follow that? Uh, here, are, here are my recommendations. Um, I mean, I'll add one to Kingdom Come because like that kind of is what I was thinking of when I thought of like Batman alongside the the Justice League. And I mean, also like that's a series that explores what influence Batman is having independent of what influence, you know, Superman is having or Wonder Woman or other characters in the Justice League. I'll add just for variety. I pretty much like I'm out like I don't know any other big Batman titles. But if you're looking for something that's like similar in a gothic sense and in kind of like an anti-hero sense, this is a big series, but I feel like the comics don't get enough love, weirdly. Huge fan of the Hellboy series. I think that there's a connection yeah. there. Um, the art is incredible. Mike Mignola is, like, great at, like, really high contrast of, like, 
black and red and like very kind of almost geometric design that I think speaks to some depictions of Batman. For places to start, I would say either Hellboy 1 or Hellboy in Hell 1. Uh, there's, there's a different series. <laughs> and the BPRD, which yeah. is a spinoff, uh, is even more Batman. It's kind of like a, well, it's a team, but it's a little bit more like them kind of working with like rules and logistics to fight Supernatural. It's Abe Sapien and like the other side characters in the Hellboy universe uh, taking on things. And it's really good. It's like almost as good, if not better than Hellboy sometimes. So like that whole universe is so wonderful. Um, the movies are fun, not the recent one, but like the comics are are legendary, and I'd highly recommend them. If you like Batman, I think it might work. I'm gonna so. give a shout out to Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, which uh, <laughs> just like Arkham Knight, it's a good movie, much maligned, but is maybe the better movie. You know, full circle. I saw that movie when I wanted to see The Dark Knight. That also came out in 2008, <laughs> and I wanted to see The Dark Knight. And all my friends were like, "We already saw that. Why don't we see Hellboy Two instead?" Which like was also great. Yeah. It's like four hours long, but it's a good movie. You could have been like me and just see The Dark Knight as many times as possible while it's in theaters. I didn't see The Dark Knight until like 2012. I saw it Whoa. years later on my MacBook. Yeah, mm. it was... On I don't know MacBook. what it is with me and missing <laughs> Batman hype. Yeah. <laughs> the way Chris Nolan wanted... On the other right. end of the uh, on the scale, I know someone. This person asked for like a graphic novel. If you're the kind of person who is looking for a incredibly involved and obtuse Batman reading experience, I do highly recommend trying to do the Grant Morrison run. There is a there's numerous like a um, reading orders, and it is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but. If you manage, it's like, if you want to give yourself a Batman reading project, try and do the Grant Morrison run, because it is phenomenal, <laughs> but it's also ridiculous. Yeah, you've convinced me, because I haven't done it, and now I feel it's, like I need oh, to. Oh, dude, it's such a fun experience. I remember doing it, and I'm not going to lie, I had to use some illicit means to get some comics <laughs> here and there, because some of them are just, like, out of print. But, like, they yeah. exist online. Every, every one of them exists online. You just need to bend your morals a bit to get to them. But honestly... <laughs> Like you sometimes like you get different levels of like reading orders as well. Some of them are like, you need to read this comic because there's literally a word in here that will become relevant in two years time. That's classic comic uh, it's book just shit. Like, yeah, absolutely. phenomenal. Like, but like by the end of it, you're like, that was worth it. I enjoyed yeah. that. It was good. Um, so yeah, Grant Morrison's run, if you're on the other <laughs> end of that spectrum and you want to hurt yourself. You really want a lot more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do actually have one more Batman comic to recommend, if you don't mind. Ooh. And I guarantee this is one of the Batman comics that like maybe only I own. It's called Batman is Lost in a Woods. It is not DC related. I don't even think it should have been printed. <laughs> I got it on a whim. It is one of the, it's like, it, you can read it in like less than 10 minutes. It's one of the funniest and like dumbest things I own. Uh, Batman is lost in a woods. Uh, just incredible. Um, Batman is lost looking for his wife. He meets a Marvel character like immediately. So everything is kind of <laughs> wrong. It's so funny. Uh, so <laughs> I think literally Hellboy is more related to Batman than Batman is lost <laughs> in a woods. I'm absolutely going to read this. That sounds incredible. But yeah, I, I bought it on, a, on, on my favorite comic book store they've got like an indie the part of the store they got like a big selection yeah and i got it there so it is so dumb but i every time i batman i'm gonna be one of the eight people recommending batman is lost in the woods. <laughs> that's incredible yeah you the creator and six other people um. <laughs> cool chase alby on twitter asks do y'all have a favorite villain encounter across all of the games 
The villain boss battles were always a treat for me because they frequently played very different from one another. So I'm interested to hear your guys' take on that. And we might have touched on this a little bit in passing. I think uh, I think the Mr. Freeze one's a clear standout in Arkham City. Um, I haven't gotten as, like, just full disclosure, like, I haven't gotten as far in tonight, so I don't know if I could say for sure on that game. But in Asylum, I think that the uh, if you treat the Scarecrow moments as bosses, I would say that Poison Ivy would be my pick for that. Mr. Freeze for City. Mm. How about you two? Um, I think like of them all, Mr. Freeze is the obvious one. Like I, yeah. I, I love that one. I will say um, the uh, Deathstroke boss fight from Origins is very good for the intensity it gives you. It's like not mechanically complex, but there's a lot of like it demands a lot of you very quickly and it's very intense so um not part of the core three games for sure but um i do like the death Rock boss fight um obviously electrocutioner one as well which i mentioned previously in that game um <laughs> totally. but yeah th- those are my picks i think um yeah i i'm actually just gonna also go with that first mr freeze boss fight um because mm. i think it, it, it is not only incredible in the context of the batman trilogy uh or quadrilogy of video games but also just in games in total i think is an incredible way of teaching the player um what is possible with the combat that you've created and i kind of wish that more games did this i think like uh t- speaking to the two of you uh, who are the audience for for this bit in particular? But like, it is Father Gascoigne for that video mm-hmm. game. You know, it is literally like, "Hey, did you learn visceral attacks yet? No. Okay, well you're fucking gonna now." Um, <laughs> it's that, but for yeah. the entire arsenal of the utility belt, I think. Um, mm. And and for that reason, I think it's like far and away the most interesting boss fight. I think what's cool, and we touched on this earlier, but like even for the boss fights that aren't like inherently enjoyable, or maybe are like kind of a miss. They're all designed around the villain's character. So like you mentioned the Killer Croc one in Asylum being like, he's he's hunting you. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Penguin is kind of interesting because it's like he stole something and he's using it, you know, <laughs> and like uppercutting Penguin after you figure out his scheme is like so cathartic. Um, and then, of course, you fight Solomon Grundy. There's there's a lot of interesting boss fights in Origins, like Lady Shiva's in there. There's like a, a bunch of really cool ways that they mess with or they use that villain design around the villain in Origins because a lot of the villains are like C, D, E tier villains. Yeah. Um, there's there's Copperhead is in there. That's really cool. <laughs> um, it's worth it's worth those boss fights, checking them out as well. Wow. Okay, we'll, we'll move on then. Uh, Kyle Starr on Twitter says, what's your single desert island piece of Batman media? So, you know, if you were stranded without anything else, what would be the Damn. the Batman media you take with you? Uh, Prince's song for the... No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it would be the animated series. Yeah, I think that's probably it for me, too. Just because I feel like that touches all the bases. It's like a little bit silly. It's serious, mostly. It's got all the characters you want. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be mine too. I think like I'd watch it on if I'm on a desert island, I'm presumably stranded. I like to imagine that I'll get rescued at some point. But by the time I'm rescued, I'll be like that maniac who can recite every line from the thing. (laughs) One of my eyes will be twitching. So like I'd become the villain and my villain is like can recite Batman animated series line man. And like your calendar man of Batman the animated series. I'll just be like they put me in a cell and I'll just be like sitting there, hands like crossed and arms like legs crossed, and I'll just recite random lines when people come up to me to visit me <laughs> you say season two when yeah. the power of gotham yeah. goes out yeah 
What about you, Brendan? Oof. Uh, I mean, yeah, a Blu-ray set of the animated series seems like the answer. Um, if I if I'm allowed to cheat and say uh, the the Return to Arkham bundle, I would also do that. Um, yeah, why but, not? But animated series like really does. It's wild actually to think about. You know, you you think about all the incredible graphic novels that we've been rattling off. You know, left and right here, um, but. Above all of that, I really think the animated series like is maybe the best piece of Batman media that has ever existed because it because it covers all the bases of like tonality and understanding of yes Batman as yeah. a character, uh, which is which is awesome. Plus, you got Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. It's good shit. <laughs> Here's a fun one that might require some quick Wikipedia research on my part, at least. Uh, Humble Go on Twitter asks, "What's your favorite species of bat?" Damn, uh, fruit bat. Fruit bat, fruit bat, yeah. There you go, fruit bat. They're cute. Um, fruit bat, cute bat. I'm going to Google it to see what other species we got. AJ Aww. can edit this to make it sound like we knew it right away. <laughs> <laughs> the western red bat looks really cute. Uh, oh, the Indiana bat is not the one. Different kinds Ugh. of bats. <laughs> bats are really cute. I'm going to say the pallid bat. Do you see that picture that recently came out of like the bat that was the size of a human? That's my favorite bat. It's just <laughs> yeah, man bat. a horrible, yeah, horrifying man bat in real life. That is just like, I, I don't know if that picture was photoshopped, but it was terrifying. It was like the size of an adult human just hanging. It's like, oh my God. Horrific. I'm into what the pallid bat is putting down in this Google image result. Because <laughs> uh, it's like a good halfway point between like, this might grow up to be like a, a Hellboy villain, but it's cute right now. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, it's got good ears. It's got big yeah. long yeah. ears. Uh, to go back to that earlier question, uh, long yeah. ears are cool <laughs> in this context. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Matt A. Horton on Twitter: What is your favorite Bat Family member costume? costume. So anyone in the Bat Family, what's your favorite costume? Ooh. Cool question. Ooh. That is yeah. a good question. The Batman Beyond standard costume is really cool. Yeah, it's I do great. like that answer. one a lot. I I'm just give it to Adam West because I love the drawn on eyebrows so much, and like <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just so funny. It's like peak comedy. Uh, I know this that might not be my real answer, but I'm just gonna throw that in. Uh, given the three of us here, I I could go with two different answers. Uh, the first, I think, being Barbara Gordon's costume, the purple and yellow combo uh, yeah, for her yeah, costume totally. is like so iconic and cool and interesting, and just like a great juxtaposition of colors. Um, I, I think that costume is really cool. Second, I would go with Red Hood because like great, great like pants, great jacket, cool Red Hood. I don't know. This is cool. Yeah. I mean, just to also like give our a little bit of atonement for our Marvel sins. Like I do think in terms of like just adding one thing to a traditional design and it being immediately amazing. Like how is this not always here? Yeah. Is Spider Gwen's hood. Like one of the best yeah. design additions I think ever. Totally. Anyway. Just put in that, that in that same vein, uh, Bat Cow. <laughs> Which is just a bog standard cow, but it's like coloring on its face is like the bat. <laughs> bat cow is like a Damien Wayne's uh, like pet, and it, uh, after meeting it, I think Damien pledges to being a vegan or a vegetarian. <laughs> He's like, I can't eat, I can't eat cows anymore. Yeah, that's amazing. We've only got a few more, uh, so this is the uh, next question we got. Uh, GJ on Twitter asks. If Batman in Arkham Asylum and Zagreus from Hades in the Underworld swapped places, 
Who would escape first, Zagreus from Arkham Asylum or Batman from the Underworld? <laughs> Batman, easily. It's a great question. Batman? The problem with Zagreus is he wants to stop to have a conversation with everyone. So <laughs> That's he, true. He would spend so much time talking to literally everyone in Gotham that by the time he's done, Batman would have already escaped. Yeah, I think you might be right. As much as I want to root for Zag, I think in case of speed, like Zag's maybe got Batman topped in terms of just perseverance, but in terms of who gets out first, mm-hmm. probably Batman. Easily yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I definitely <laughs> think it's Batman. Yeah, because yeah, here's, here's the thing. Zagreus is, you know, he's a god, really, right? So like he doesn't really have any incentive to get out quickly. He's going to live forever regardless. So he could just kind of like meander his way out and, and not mm. really need to worry too too much about the speed at which he gets out of there. Batman's going to die eventually. So getting out of the underworld is going to be, uh, uh, I think, a pretty big motivator for him. Mm. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and like the whole thing Zagreus is like predicated on, he's experiencing the different levels of the underworld for the first time and taking that information and reliving it and using it. Batman's already been to the underworld many, many times and escaped it. <laughs> so like his first run through it is already, he's got so many different, so much information to work off of. Yeah. So like he's got the experience already. Yeah. Yeah. So point for Batman, Un- I guess. Yeah, unanimous. Batman uh, gets out first. Okay, this is our penultimate question. Cool. Uh, TK in the Discord asks, what other character from comics would most benefit from the Metroidvania-style thing Arkham Asylum had going on if there ever was a game made about them? So, like, what other comic character could benefit from a Metroidvania? This is actually really interesting. I was going to bring up something along these lines earlier, and now I'm glad I didn't because I can bring it up now. But I think one of the most interesting things about the Rocksteady trilogy with Batman is that they paired him with a Metroidvania and that works for this character specifically in a way that I don't think it would for a lot of other characters. Um, I I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of another character that a Metroidvania would work like super well for um, as well as Batman, because like that pairing is just really smart and really well thought out and really well executed. Um, I think for other characters, you wouldn't really need to think of other genres to throw them into in a lot of instances. I feel like you could do a really weird otherworldly Metroidvania if you paired it with Phantom X from <laughs> Marvel. Like, yeah. he's he's a character that no one really knows. And like, I don't think, I think like what was said there, like pretty much nail on the head. It's not that Bat, you know, Batman works within the Metroidvania. It's Metroidvania works for Batman. So it would be tricky to do. But like, if I just wanted to see it, like I'd love to see a Dracula style uh, blade put into like Dracula's castle kind of like oh. in the Castlevania Yeah, just style. do Castlevania but do with Castlevania blade. With blade. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's awesome. That could be really fun. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what comes to mind first is like just what what genre would work for what character. Um, like we said, I, I, for some reason, always think like a JRPG for X-Men would be perfect. You know, like having that like yeah. team combat mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, playing yeah. X-Men Origins or what was it called? X-Men Legends. Which mm-hmm. one was the uh, Silicon Knights one? Legends, yeah. I have not. That's an RPG. <laughs> is it good? Oh boy. Who <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> well, it's like legendary bad. <laughs> But yeah, I guess, yeah, I think Blade and Dracula's Castle is like probably the the peak of that answer or the best answer for that. I very frequently think about uh, the Flash and how you can make a Flash video game. And I think Flash uh, cart (laughs) for real, though. I think the reason that the Flash game doesn't exist yet is you haven't seen a good Sonic game in a long time either. (laughs) 
yeah. Sonic Mania was the last one. Yeah. Sonic Team keeps see- banging their head against how do you make that character work in like a fully 3D space and it's just not see, working. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to pair up like developers and their games with superheroes and the best, not the best, but the one that I just need to get out of my system is the team behind Rez making a Superman game. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Imagine that, how weird that would be. That'd be amazing. That actually might be better for like Silver Surfer. You can kind of go full surreal. Oh, oh my yeah. god, uh, that'd be awesome. Give me a Silver Surfer game, just Tony Hawk, but I'm in space. <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, the last question. This is from Dom. It's uh, a good one. Uh, Dom Nero on Twitter says, "Who is Batman?" <laughs> 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 that'd be good to end with that. Batman Thanks, is who you need him to be to give you the strength to do what you want to do. Oh, I love that. Wow. I'm not, I'm actually going to. Your ability to give a genuine answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the answer. Yeah. Cause Dom was just trolling us as usual. I'm surprised he didn't ask about Zant, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's Batman is who you need him to be. That's incredible. Yeah. To give you the strength to do what you need to do. Oh my God. Thank you for that. Wow. Um, and that's it. Those are all our questions. So I guess we can wrap up. Wow. Uh, Tam, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us today. This is so much fun. Yeah, it means so thank much you to have so you much on the for show. having me. Yeah, I, I will, I relish the opportunity to talk about Batman in any context. And like <laughs> I said previously, like being able to do it with people who actually appreciate the character as well is a rare, rare treat. And also like, I'm just super happy to be on this specific podcast. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. And, being able to ha- find a new gaming podcast to really fall in love with is a very, very, again, a rare treat in this day and age. Everyone's got one and most of the time they're not great um, or it's the same as every other podcast. So I, I love this podcast dearly and I'm, I'm usually lur- lurking around the Discord as well and stuff. Just, <laughs> and, and although I'm not engaging, like the community is so awesome. So like shout out to you guys and also shout out to the amazing community that you fostered. There's a lot of good peeps in there and, and it's just a nice, wholesome place to be. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying all of that. That really means so much. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. I mean, GameSpot is incredible. Uh, GameSpot after dark, good shit. Um, hmm. yeah, I, I don't, thank you. I don't even know what to say. I'm like flustered <laughs> now. Um, yeah. So cool to call, talk about Batman. I don't get to talk about Batman enough. Uh, I don't get to talk about DC enough for obvious reasons. I have an Aquaman coin sitting here on my <laughs> on my desk that I just held up to the camera that just sent Steven into a, a flurry. Um, Why is my kryptonite your Aquaman coin? I like had to I put my head in my hands and I backed away from the camera. I'm surprised DC hasn't done like a line of like merchandise for the octopus in the Aquaman movie because that's all I want. The, the drumming octopus should be like get that character spin off, get that like a rhythm game. That's what I want. I totally yeah, agree. Give me Aquaman DDR for yeah, sure. Like what's the what's the uh, drum based rhythm game from Japan? Uh, Taiko Drum Master. Taiko Drum Master, but like do that for Aquaman Octopus Drummer. Aquaman Drum Master, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Donkey Konga Octo Edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually, Tam, out of, out of curiosity, are there any games that you think people should be playing right now that are like out in the zeitgeist that um, you wish had like more attention or just something that you're playing in general right now that you want to shout out? 
Um, uh, Hades has obviously been given plenty of attention yeah. here. I think that game is fantastic. Um, worked on by a former editor in chief of GameSpot. Um, oh, that's uh, awesome. Greg Kasavin is, yeah. Um, so he's oh, mad that. to like. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So he's one of the lead writers on that game, which is fantastic. Um, Shout I love out that to game. Greg. It's, yeah. Very good. Um, Otherwise, like I have my usual ones that are like I'm I'm the champion of games that need no championing for some reason. Like Bloodborne is fantastic. <laughs> the Joker is my favorite Batman villain. Yeah, um, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five is one of the greatest stealth games of all time. But other than that, like Phasmophobia is currently a game that's mm. picking up a lot of steam, and it's really really cool. I love that. I think the the one I'll go with is the one that we championed earlier, Sleeping Dogs. Like it's on PS4. It's dirt cheap. If you want an open world game with uh, the same kind of combat as um, Batman and a little more of a GTA vibe, check that out. Yeah, um, it's phenomenal. It's got a great story. It's got a really good story, and um, it's cool. <laughs> it's got a weirdly all-star cast as well for some reason. Um, what's her name from La La Land? Is in there? Uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone is in there. Emma yeah. Stone is in Sleeping oh, Dogs. Wow. Emma Stone is like the lead female character no in that way. game. Yeah. Um, Kelly Who is in there. There's a bunch of like well known. Lucy Liu is in there. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast a, right now. This is amazing. It's got, it's got a ridiculous cast. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun game. A lot to love in there. One of those like double a open world games that has a lot of charm is punching way above its weight and there's a definitive edition out on ps4 and i believe it's on it might be on game pass as well oh no um, way that's uh, yeah, I mean, it yeah. might be i might re-download that and check it out again um yeah i will say about that game motorcycles oof great no. way to get around that city <laughs> yeah, yeah such a good time yeah i whenever whenever a game has a motorcycle in it as an option to traverse a place i will always mm-hmm. pick the motorcycle and the sleeping dogs motorcycle rips it's so also fun. it has themed seasonal dlc for halloween but it's based on like chinese halloween mythology Whoa. which is real good it's got those weird like zombie jumping ghosts that are terrifying uh. um but like it's well worth checking out yeah yeah, Sleeping Dogs. It's a cool video game. Cool. I guess, uh, is it time to wrap up, Steven? I think it's time to wrap up. Okay. I'm still reeling from your coin. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So I guess uh, first and foremost, just want to thank Tam. Uh, th- thanks for being on the show. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me just doing absolute nonsense on Twitter at Tomor H. And then you can find my work on gamespot.com. Um, if you're looking for something specific, I'm, I'm the managing editor of that site. So I like don't produce as much content as I used to, but I'm still doing like a weekly show about next gen consoles called Generation Next, which is on YouTube. Um, check out the After Dark podcast. Um, yeah. It's a good vibe. Plenty of stuff there. Yeah. Chill hype vibes is how we describe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you, uh, so much for being on the show. Thank you all so much for listening to the show uh if if you like the show the best way to help it grow is to just tell a friend about it if you out there know somebody else who you think would like the podcast please share it with them because we're we're not paying for ads anymore we used to but we don't anymore so uh yeah organic growth that's what it's all about we have a really cool community on discord uh if you want to join that uh our discord is fucking chill man uh so you can join there uh go to into the cast dot online to uh, find the access to that along with the 
links to our Twitter, our Instagram, our Twitch, our YouTube. Uh, we're streaming on Twitch like constantly, pretty much every week. Um, Steven's been streaming scary games every Friday. Although by the time this comes out, that might be over. Steven might be streaming other things. I will be streaming every morning. I was streaming Hades every morning. I might move on to other things. We'll see. You might already know by the time this episode comes out. Um, but all the VODs will be on YouTube, so you can watch there as well. So please subscribe to us, follow us there. And uh, yeah, I don't have too much else to say beyond we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash into the cast. You can back the show. If, if backing the show in any way impacts you negatively financially, please do not back the show. That is that's our, our solemn, constant plead um uh only back the show if if you think that it's okay for you financially but uh doing so does help the show grow thank you all so much for backing the show so far um it allows us to get new equipment to switch hosts uh for podcasting as we just did recently from a free host to a not free host it got us into the next generation of consoles there are a lot of things that have happened uh thanks and to the you. bonus episodes which we're doing right now right this is one of them um so yeah. thank you to Look those of this. you who have backed the show so far um is there anything else i'm missing steven that was great. I was in awe. I felt like I was listening to the show, even though I'm currently on it. <laughs> what has Scarecrow done to me? Where am I? <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Read Superman Secret Identity. Thank you. My name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Read Batman Gets Lost in a Woods. <laughs> thank you. And Tam? My name is Morsain. You should play Sleeping Dogs and Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I should say is you should spend the time, effort, and mental uh, energy to go through the Grant Morrison Batman run. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to do that. That's the triumvirate of, of Batman recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> All very different angles. The Triforce of the series, some would say. All right. Great. All right, dear listener. Goodbye. Goodbye, Batman. Bye, Batman. He's been watching the whole time. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hit stop. I want to hit stop. Thank you, AJ. Thanks, AJ. He's Batman. AJ is our Batman. Goodbye.